You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Do you like comic book movies, particularly Marvel films? Because if you do, hi, my name's Ian. I hang out with Mitch. We take a journey into mystery every single Wednesday. You can watch us live. You can listen to us later in the car when you're by yourself and you don't want to tell people you listen to podcasts about Marvel movies. That's fine. No judgment. But we're here for you. We watched all the MCU. Now we're going through all the old ones. So buckle in. Mitch is going to take us there. Boom. That's your ad right there. Welcome, everybody, to We Have Issues, Geek Elite Media, show that's about everything literary. Books, comic books, web comics, manga, and everything else you might be reading, we're here to talk about it. As always, I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my Star Wars sidekick, who is constantly at my side, Hostway. Hey, I always love talking comics, but I'm so fucking excited uh, for Free Comic Book Day this weekend. Yes, that is such a great point to make. This show is actually going to be coming out on Free Comic Book Day. Oh, yeah, so. Nice. So yeah, once you uh, once you listen to our show, go down, pick up some free comics. Uh, depending on your comic book store, you might be able to meet some creators. Yes, uh, get some signatures, maybe purchase some prints, and you know, get your free comics. Get to know your local comic book store if you don't already, because most of them are really really cool people. Hell yeah, yeah. So, so we're gonna jump straight into a little bit of news. I only got two things that I want to talk about. Um, the first thing is is the ongoing series for the uh, Marvel comic Runaways has been canceled at issue one hundred. Um, I know a lot of people really enjoyed this run. I, I'm an old school Runaways fan. Uh, I, I think Jose is too, back yeah. from BKV even. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just, oh, it's one of the best comics Marvel's made in 20 years. It's fantastic. But um, I didn't really care for this run that much. Don't get me wrong. I still bought the trades because mm-hmm. I'm. I mean, I want them to make Runaways everything. So, <laughs> but I didn't really care for it, and I think I. I think I'm just too old for it now. Maybe. Ooh, okay. Um. Like you know, I'm 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 in my 30s, and it's about teenagers, you know. <laughs> like and and I just certain choices, I was kind of like <sighs> like um, I'll give a specific example. Uh, I love Zavin. Yes, and Zavin just disappeared at one point and never came back. And if you gave me Runaways, the first thing I do is bring back Zavin and put Zavin and Carolina back together, especially so. with the whole Empire thing that we just had. Right. Yeah. And the fact that when they did the Pride book, they they used Zavin in some of the promotional stuff. So true. So I always thought that that relationship was way more interesting to me. Absolutely. Especially because it, it yeah. did raise, like, so what does it mean? Like, does, is, Caroline, is Caroline gay? And be like, well, I mean, like, if you want, or if, that, if that's the way she want, that wants to interpret it. But it was ultimately, like, it was a very interesting relationship, a much more interesting relationship. Yeah, and was Zavin... Did Zavin truly feel female? Or did Zavin only appear female for Carolina? Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, Zavin, it was really interesting. So the, when he when that moment got presented, like it was kind of a it was kind of a weird concept for Zavin because like they didn't care switching back and forth between mm-hmm. uh, between the genders, and so it's kind of like it doesn't matter. It's just like I mean, if that's the way Carolina feels comfortable, yeah. sure. Uh, but that's it wasn't a concept for Zavin. It's like, oh, that's fucking cool. Yeah, and then with such a fluid identity, mm-hmm. realizing that 
the person you love wants you one way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if you're someone who changes constantly and gender doesn't really matter to you. Yeah. It's just kind of like, do you only love me when I'm like this? Do you, are you not attracted to me? The other, like, that's just interesting. Yeah. And that's good shit. Plus we missed out on an amazing Hulkling Wiccan Zavin Carolina double date that could have happened. Oh, totally. That would have been great. So, well, oh, by the way, it's Carolina. I don't care what the show says. <laughs> the show says Carolina, and I wanted to throw a rock through my television the first time I heard that. I absolutely refuse to say Carolina. I keep I kept catching myself trying to say it. So, uh, but yeah, other things. I didn't really like the fact that Chase and Gert got broken up because they finally brought Gert back to life, and then she just left. I, I didn't really like that. So, but there's a lot of stuff. But I mean, it was good overall, and they did introduce some cool new characters, like the um, like the children of the um, oh god, I'm on a blank. The um the gods that in the original arc that the parents made the oh, deal with right right with, with the six toes and six fingers right yeah they introduced their children and one of them actually joins the runaways no shit okay yeah well, it's really interesting I really like that so and then uh, Victor coming off of Avengers AI had mm-hmm. a doom had Doombot with him okay and so Doombot joined the runaways for a while too so it was it was a it was a weird book but I really enjoyed it. But yeah, just not. I mean, it's hard to live up to BKV, man. True. Yeah. So. Even I mean, even kind of Joss Whedon, kind of like tr- even tr- he tried for like for one arc, and then it's like it still wasn't as good. Another huge Runaways fan is Liz, and Liz hated the Whedon arc. Oof. Hated. Yeah, I mean, it's a time travel one. It's just not going to land for everybody. I like the Terry Moore arc. That was okay. Yeah. Cool. So I know she didn't really care for that, but the Whedon was by far her low point. So. <laughs> um. But yeah, and the other bit of news I want to talk about is uh, something I'm going to talk about a little bit later because I read the book. But one of the Robins has come out as bisexual. Yay. And it's it's the most obvious one because <laughs> he's been blowing Superboy for 20 years for anyone paying attention. <laughs> it's Tim Drake. Yes. There's literally issues of the two of them where Robins or Tim Drake says, you'll always be my Superboy. Mm-hmm. And me and Liz are like, they're so gay. <laughs> like, <laughs> And so, just yeah, I just. I mean, it's, I'm, it, it took I'm happy for him. Yeah. And it's going to set him. A, it's going to set him apart, which is good, because there's a lot of Robins. Yeah, and there's a lot of Bat Family, and he needs something other than being the best at everything, because that's what he already has. <laughs> um, where, where did he come out? What book was it? It was Batman: Urban Legends. Oh, and Urban Legends. Oh, okay, okay. Because yeah. it, it raised up the question: it was like. He doesn't even have a book right now. <laughs> like yeah. we're, reading, we're reading every Bat Family book, and it's like, there's no Tim book right now. It's part three of three, and uh, I kind of reviewed the first two. I didn't really expand on them too much. But basically, Tim Tim's, Tim goes out to dinner with a friend, a guy friend. Mm-hmm. And the guy gets kidnapped in the middle of dinner, and Tim has to go find him. And Tim finds himself in some kind of like weird sex cult thing. Ooh, okay. So and that's that's where we, we left off, just to give you the the thing but yeah we'll talk about it a little bit later but yeah cool more lgbt characters and that's a major one you know yeah absolutely like yeah and uh, obviously there's a bunch of people who are butthurt they're like i like the people that are like why does it matter what what you know sexuality he is and then that's my ask my question is why do you care what sexuality he is yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> like it's 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 As, a fictional character anything, we'll never like, be real. <laughs> just focus on on your headcanon who who he should be with like if he's like yeah, on, on your because to me like Tim's straight relationship for, for me is uh the Marvel DC crossover him with Jubilee yeah perfection. that was awesome that was awesome I love, <laughs> yeah. love that they're so adorable together but now I'm like damn yeah and and 
his by his gay relationship totally with Superboy. It's been it's been it's been like that the whole time. <laughs> it is what it is. Like, and I never liked him with Stephanie. Stephanie's better than him. So mm. <laughs> I love Stephanie. So. <laughs> All right, so guys, we're going to start talking about our comics for the week. And you guys know that we start with a boom. Yes. Not a bang. A boom studios. And this week we got a couple books. I'm going to start off with a couple of solos. First of all, The New Day, number two. Uh, so this is the book about the wrestling uh, uh, faction. They are a tag team, but they're also a faction. Mm-hmm. So I got this cover. Nice. Which is them being ridiculous. But I also got this cover, which is actually like like highly made Ooh. miniatures of them as D&D characters. Yeah. Okay. So I figured I'd get them both. Uh, so written by Evan Narcisse and Austin Walker, illustrated by Daniel Bayless and lettered by DC Hopkins. So this continues the somewhat fictionalized story of the new day. Mm. And it's done in a pretty goofy way, which I love because it's the new day. Um, well, basically they come together because the company's doing nothing with any of them individually. Mm. And they, uh, they come together and the whole thing is about how they, when they had the creative freedom to come up with things on their own, they did really well but as soon as it started getting like corporatized and we're going to tell you what to do it started falling apart so you know hats off to the wwe to allow that story to be told basically to be like we almost fucked these guys up basically yeah <laughs> so that's pretty cool and um yeah i really enjoy it uh it, it takes a, it does a really good job of like taking each of the um the different guys and giving them different characters different backgrounds with you know if you will, NPCs, you know, like, and stuff like that. So it's really cool. The other thing I like, and this is returning from the previous one, is the, uh, <laughs> I just love this so much. If you remember the last issue, they were fighting the shield. And the shield, uh, one of the members of the shield is no longer with the company, Dean Ambrose. Okay. And so they couldn't show his face, remember? Yes, So right. they were drawing, like, the back of his head and stuff. Mm-hmm. This continues with other people they've since released. Oh, no shit. So, like, they fight 3MB. And 3MB is a team um, of basically jobbers, you know, like the low-level guys. But now two of them are the big, two of the biggest stars in the company, which is Drew McIntyre and Jinder Mahal. The other one is Heath Slater, who they've since released. And you never see Heath Slater's face in this entire thing. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's, but he has very distinctive red hair. Okay. So it's very much him. It's it's really funny to look at. And just there's a couple other instances of it where they, they do that. And it's just like, oh, look at this per- the back of this person's head or the rope is just blocking their face and stuff like that. It's really funny. So it's honestly, it's the main thing I, I love about this book is finding those and being like, who's that supposed to be? And trying to figure out. Who's that, that out. wrestler? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. But the ones that are there, they can use very fully. Like, that's clearly the Usos and stuff like that. So, uh, But it's, it's really cool. And it's just about, you know, giving them the creative freedom to do what they're going to do and they'll be popular. Um, I don't know if this is the last issue. Because mm-hmm. it kind of ends on a really happy note. Yeah. About, like, we don't know what's in the future for us. And it's got a big, like, full-page spread of them celebrating. Right, right. Huh. So it might just be a two run, two issue run, okay. which is cool. Maybe they'll do a different uh, WB act. Yeah. Know, oh, that's so. true. I rotate around. Yeah. I mean, they're they're kind of unique. Mm-hmm. Very few people are that goofy. So I wonder how many acts would really translate to that well. Oh, I'm saying like, like maybe like a comic for a comic for like a different wrestler. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Go to the, go so, to the company. 
But I can't think of how many would. I mean, like Bray Wyatt would, but he was released. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, yeah. And the, they they had to release Brizongo too. They'd all they're also really goofy. That'd be funny because they're the fashion police. Yeah, that's true. They do. They report fashion felonies and <laughs> apparel atrocities and stuff. <laughs> so yeah, but I love it. I'm a big wrestling fan. We all know that. So uh, my next solo book is from Boom Box, mm-hmm. and that's Memo Two. Yes. And everything really, is done by Sass Millage. You're really talking about this one. You need to read this eventually. I know <laughs> okay. I know I know you're controlling how many books you buy. But this one, it's just this unique feel of if anyone out there is a Terry Pratchett fan, mm-hmm. it's got a Tiffany Aching feel to it. And Tiffany Aching is like the YA books Terry Pratchett did about a young witch. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what this is about. So it's a small village and the Fae just start wrecking the village for some reason um in the first issue this young girl meets um another young girl while trying to go see the village witch turns out the village witch is dead and this girl she met is the granddaughter of the witch and she wants to get out of here she doesn't really belong here but she agrees to help them basically try to manage all the problems and it goes through this awesome like mythological idea of like the fae and what you know what upsets them and stuff and how to get rid of them it's very miyazaki mm-hmm it's very spirited away. Ooh, okay. Like, like I, I can't express how spirited away this is, including like a random, like cat Aww. familiar. And like, it's all about the, the borders and magic flows into it. And they have to appease the fade. Like, like the whole thing with the, with the bath, she had to give the ooze thing in spirited away. At, like it's, it's kind of like that. We got to find the, what makes them happy. What'll make them happy. And my personal favorite was they get a report in uh, that in the forest, someone's throwing rocks. So they go in the forest and they're like walking, walking down the, the path, trying to figure out and a rock flies past them and almost hits them. And the witch chick is like, what's this? And the rock lands and she casts a spell and it's so cute. The rock lands and then it's got a little face and then it gets up. And it's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the cutest, grumpiest thing. It's so fucking adorable. <laughs> and it's basically like what they found out is that they had a carn of stones that were built. And the village knocked it down because they're going to widen the road. And that's why they're upset. So they have to rebuild the carn. Just stuff like that. It's it's a lot of fun. But it's also got a lot of philosophy. I know I sent Josue a page. And I'll just read it real quick because I love it. Yeah. They're talking about where magic comes from. And there's there's like magic comes from different places. And it's like... It's like, you know, when you walk down the middle of a road or when you lie the wrong way up in bed, like when you're at an intersection that you're normally turned left at, you realize there's absolutely nothing stopping you from turning right. That awareness, that potential, there's power in that. And so basically, that's her whole thing. That's why she wants to leave is because her power comes from going. And then you find out that her grandmother's power came from staying. Because there's also a choice to not go. Yeah, That's yeah. also a choice, you know, so it's just like, it's just a unique magic. System. I really like it. And it's just, it's just beautiful. It's just done really, really well. And I'm starting to get some LGBT vibes from the the two girls. So hopefully that'll be a thing too, but they're kind of young. So, so yeah, that's Mammo too. Next up is the book we share from boom, at least this week. And that is Eve number four. Oh my God. I fucking love Eve. Yep. Uh, written by Victor Laval. Illustrated by Joe Mi Young, colored by Brittany Peer, and lettered by Anne World. Um, 
Yeah, so in our last issue, uh, Eve met her older sister, allegedly, who is also her. And um, her her older version um, ended up shooting the uh, the bear to save her from him because he's crazy. Wexler is insane. <laughs> and we find out, we get a kind of an info dump on this one with a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we find out that that Eve's father is is dead. So that's interesting. I mean, do we see it happen? Because we, we, we keep going back, but is that like when was it happening situation? Yeah, there's a lot of when, when things happen and stuff. Um, we get kind of an idea of what happened to Wexler. We get more of a confirmation of, yes, the disease takes over you when you go through puberty. Yeah. So we kind of were like, why are the kids not infected? So that makes sense. And we get the idea, we get the reve- revelation that she needs to go underwater to get to the thing they're trying to get to. So, oh right, because like the, I mean, again, because the whole there was a vault, but of course, it's like you can't, you can't plan for everything. You can't plan for an inevitable future, and because what the the San Andreas fault line, yeah, finally cracked. Like if this place just fell underwater, so it's like, oh shit, the adventure continues. But the whole dietary thing, what the. F- Fuck. Just, just so it can work out that way, just to prolong it a little bit more. Yep. This book is just heavy when you don't expect it to, and you're just like, oh man, it just. Yeah. It's and, then, and then it has really sweet moments like this where she's. Yes. Like, <laughs> believe it or not, Wexler taught me. <laughs> so uh, that was actually funny because, like, we're kind of scared of this teddy bear at this point, but that was a good joke. And I really like how Wexler kind of straddles the, the line of bad guy, good guy. Yes. Like, where she's, the older version of her, uh, spoiler alert, the older version of her has to stay behind because she's going to change. And basically, she says, will you stay with me? And he's like, yeah, like, basically, I'll stay with you. Like, like I know you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, kid, I'll stay. And it's just like, but he's not cruel. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. So it's just, oh, it's just so interesting. I really, really like this book, though. It's been done really well. I got this cover. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I decided to get a variant because I, I was looking at them and I'm like, that's cool. So it's John Boy Myers, by the way, that did the cover. So, but yeah, really good. Uh, next up, Josue is going to tell us about Behemoth Comics and Cinnamon number one. Okay, so Cinnamon, this guy. I did have to get it just because it looked adorable and I flipped through it and it has that like indie style pages. Oh, yeah, I love just, it monotone just like a single color it being pink it's really cool it's just like it's it's one of those where like yeah behemoth will be kind of a missing hits but this thing apparently it's actually it's also going to be adapted to at some point i don't know for what katie katie from books picture was telling me that it's going to get adapted into potentially a movie and i can definitely see this happening because it really is just a, mund- a mundane story about a house a house kitten who just thinks he run, he runs his own world as cats do <laughs> only he has a wide a crazy imagination because he's only after one thing that good shit that good dope that catnip <laughs> and when he's and when he goes into his adventures he becomes cinnamon <laughs> and so and so it becomes like this elaborate story of like how he jumps from like counter to counter in these like cool crazy like action scenarios and it just like it jumps back like and like his uh 
his owner is just like is this giant mech that that just like that he plays out in his head that always stops him from getting the catnip and and of course it's just it becomes, and then at the end it just becomes such a touching story because yeah he's battling the mech in his head trying to get like the catnip and it's all and of course to cats it's all fun and games release the claws and, and it scratches like the his owner so it all it all comes back to reality and like the owner's like all pissed and it's like you know what just you're on a timeout so you, you get to see the the guilt sink into the cat like there's this, like this great three-page spread right there where mm-hmm. he actually feels like the guilt and it's like you know what okay fuck i suck <laughs> and he goes over and says and says sorry but then there's like a cool like anime page like right underneath like where that cool pose with like the fade and he goes over and just like rubs against her he's like okay i'm sorry fine <laughs> And <laughs> so she's like, all right, fine. So cool. Here's your catnip into the box. And so he goes back to his action mode, all doped <laughs> up. <laughs> and the last page just goes, I haven't learned a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping we get a little bit more out of this one because it, it was just cute. Just something like a cute little palate cleanser that I needed because when didn't give me that last week? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, before I move on, Josue. Yeah. Something was just announced six minutes ago on Twitter. Ooh. So one of our favorite books of the past year was Bleed Them Dry. Yes. Uh, They are going to be making a special limited edition Japanese sake in honor of Bleed Them Dry. I just retweeted it if you want to look at it. No Uh, But Yoshitaka Amano designed the packaging. Oh my god, I want one. So bad. So bad. Like, I really do. So keep an eye out for that, guys. Like, because fuck yeah. Like, yeah, it, I just re- did it from the Wii of Issues account if you want to check it out. So um, in the meantime, I'm going to switch over to our next publisher and talk about By the Horns from Scout Comics. Ooh, cool. Um, so By the Horns number four. I didn't get to review number three because I didn't get it the week it came out. So oh, okay. me checking That's right. in. Um, but I'm very excited because I really enjoyed this book. Uh, Story and direction by Marquise Nasso, uh, art, lettering, and design by Jason Muir, and color, art, and effects by Andre Tabakuru. Um, so this is the one with the girl that's determined to kill all the unicorns in the world because they killed her love. And um, she, in the process, she frees two unicorns from Wizard, trying to kill them, and finds out that all these evil wizards are doing this thing, and she has to kill them all. Or she doesn't have to, but she volunteers to do so because they're bad guys. And the unicorns agree to help her. And this is her going after the second wizard. And, of course, she's accompanied by her uh, deer dog and also the floating eyeball, Evelyn. So just a great cast of characters. I love this shit. And so this is the wizard she goes after second. Also, each wizard she kills makes the others more powerful. So, Ooh, Oh, shit. That's cool. Yeah. I love the designs of this book. They do a really good job. So... Uh, basically they're fighting it and everything and then uh, it's just a really cool fight scene I'm not going to go blow by blow it's just really cool but obviously they end up winning in the end so <laughs> um, but there's a really cool moment because they find out that his magic shields don't protect his back and as she's talking to him one of the unicorns charges and stabs him in the back with their horn oh no shit oh cool it's brutal so yeah, really cool. I'm really enjoying this. Um, but the big thing that's happening here is the town she is from, the town that kicked her out because all she would, you know, make is the the monster brain soup and stuff, <laughs> um, is being attacked by one of the wizards. And they're like, sure wish we didn't kick her out, basically. <laughs> so, um, But she's not there to actually protect them. So, um, 
And then uh, it kind of closes off with them in the woods, and they suddenly get attacked by some creatures. So uh, we'll check up from there. I really like the next cover. It's just cool. It's like a reflection. Yeah, I like it too. So I love this book. It's really good. It also just got recently announced to be an ongoing instead of a seven-issue mini. So very, very excited. Congrats to the whole creative team on that because they're really good. I'm really happy I bought the weird expensive variants for that book because (laughs) it might actually be worth something. So gambling pays off kids don't gamble don't gamble all right next up we're gonna switch <laughs> publishers to idw uh we got two books i got a solo book star wars the high republic adventures the monster of temple peak mm. so this is a unique one in that it's the high republic and it doesn't follow a jedi okay so it's written by kevin scott penciled and inked by rachel stott uh and we got some paints as well by vita Efremova and Niccolo Ricci. This is the so, one that started with the Padawan story, right? This is a spinoff of that. Okay. It, well, it doesn't actually spin off directly of that. It, it is the high, it's set in the High Republic still, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have anything to do with that story. Right. right it okay. is tangentially linked to the actual High Republic comic I'm reading, but Ooh, we'll okay. talk about that a little bit later, I think. So, um, so the main character of this is Ty Yorick. Ty Yorick is a former Jedi Padawan who did not become a Jedi Ooh. and is now a lightsaber for hire. Oh, no shit. Okay. Yeah, so it's kind of a cool concept. It is. And she just goes around on adventures. Just imagine in like, you know, kind of like God of War, maybe a little less violent, obviously. Um, and it's IDW. So the IDW does the more all ages Star Wars books than Marvel. You can really just like go go off and do any story with that premise, or just like just like not fully functional Jedi powers, but you're still gonna have you're still gonna be kind of powerful enough to hold yourself and just like kind of run with that. I like it. Yeah. It's so cool she's concept. always and she's running from the Jedi Council at all times because they don't want her out there doing this, you know. So. True. Yeah. So she's fighting bad guys and doing that, and she's also she has these um, rune stones that she tosses to basically make decisions. Hmm. Which is really interesting. I love that, obviously, being a Viking you know, fan and stuff. Yeah. And basically, she has to climb a mountain and defeat this monster. It's typical Star Wars kind of adventure and stuff. Um, also, her, um, her blade, when she swings it really hard, looks like a scimitar. Oh, I see it. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. It leaves the residual cut behind. Uh-huh. So. It's really cool. Because it's not even. Like, it would, like, it's a light. It just should be, like, going, but the way it forms. Yeah, I see it. Mm-hmm. She also has a droid who is, like, very sassy. So, I mean, that's <laughs> a very Star Wars thing to do. A given, yeah. I, yeah, it's great. I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, good stuff. I actually, I, I think I dig this more than the actual High Republic Adventures, the other IDW one with the paddle ones, mm. which is good, but uh, this one's already got promise. Like, Yeah, really, yeah. So. All right, and our other IDW book is one that me and Josue share. Of course we do, because <laughs> neither of us are going to miss an issue of Canto Hell Volume no. 3, Lionhearted. This is issue number two, written by David Bower, art by Drew Zucker, colors by Vittorio Estone, and lettered by Anne World, of course. Um, I this book is just it's just it's so good, and I again I, I say it every time, but it's just so mythological. You know what I mean? Like yes, I feel like I'm reading myths, like something mm-hmm. concrete, something with you know, like a fable almost. You know what I mean? Like oh, totally. that's, that's what I'm reading. So. Um, and I like that in this volume, we're starting to get a lot of callbacks. Yes. Between like, the like Hermit all, and the Fury. and It's all culminating together. Yes. Yeah. And then when they had, in this case, um, Kanto and the Elf Lady, I always forget her name. Adora? They, 
Are there? Uh, gotcha. Yeah, that's right. They end up going back to try to find the hermit's place, and which is inside of the Kraken when they were swallowed before. Mm-hmm. And, um, yep, they managed to get in there. Long story short. Again, not blow by blow. But they do meet a new character, at least. I, I new, love right? him. Yeah. Oh, totally. I love I like, when they I introduce him. <laughs> I love when they introduce new characters and they're just like, I want more of him, but they just say the right words and just they just make their welcome and then just like and then just go as like any fairy tale like movie, like any labyrinth like scene. It's like you just they come and they go. Yep, they're there for that scene. They have a purpose. You love them, <laughs> and then they're gone. Yeah. In this case, it's Iggle, and Iggle looks very much like a typical gnome dwarf. Yeah. In in stories, big big floppy hat, small. He's scavenging all the the shiny things but doesn't care about any of the parchment which is what they were there for anyways mm-hmm. so but yeah um that's what's happening there we also check in with the um with the big bad the shrouded man yes and we see that he's having not the best time yeah um but we do see at the end what you and me were worried about is our other little cantos thought they're gonna be <laughs> sly and sneak yeah. into his, his town and attack but he definitely knows that they're there. So. I don't. I mean, like, I, I still don't know. Like, this seems like an actual trilogy set of books, but I don't want this to be over. Like, I feel like this is all cul- mm-hmm. culminating to them to get together, and then and, and then I want like my big finale ending. I, I don't want my big finale to be in this ending, you know, to end this book. But I mean, I don't know. I, I, I trust Booer. I trust Booer. I trust Zucker. I just. I don't want. I don't want to see it to see it end. I'm just saying, like, I'm seeing all these pieces move towards the ending, but I don't see number five to be the actual ending. I see, I want them to maybe just like a giant size one shot, a giant size ending type of thing, like finale. Yeah. Uh, that'd be really cool. Just because they, they've been doing like these like in between chapters, so it'd be cool to get like an actual just epilogue ending. A third, ending. Mm-hmm. A third one. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it makes sense to me. Plus, I mean, there's. Let's be honest with ourselves. They've introduced so many elements of this story so many characters mm-hmm. and stuff there's spin-off potential everywhere oh absolutely yeah like like i mean like adventures with get our, our own our, book, our, our, you know yeah yeah like but i mean obviously we don't want canto there because he's adorable so. and i'm only saying this because yeah i want more canto <laughs> oh yeah 100 yeah so all right let's talk about aftershock aftershock has given us a couple books this week uh i got two solos and then josue's got one I picked up a number one for Campisi, the Dragon Incident. So this is what it looks like. See, so you do with a baseball bat, yeah. and there's a dragon. So that's <laughs> <laughs> fair. This is exactly what. Yeah. Also, we always talk about the aftershock intro pages. Ooh, nice. Very that's nice. Cool Very blue, pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, written by James Patrick. Art and colors by Marco Locati. Letter by Rachel Deering. Okay, so. Imagine a world. Let's just say it's our world. I don't think they ever actually identify it as any place names that we would know. Um, there's just a place called Green Village, basically. Hmm. But they mention things like World Series and baseball and stuff. So imagine it's our world, right? Okay. But dragons exist in this world. <laughs> okay. They're just not over here. They're over in Europe and Asia. Okay. They're very rarely seen. So if you see a dragon, you're like holy shit it's a dragon because you, you're not they're not supposed to be here not holy shit dragons exist you know what i mean that oh, okay. level of shock and our main character in this is and he never officially gives himself a title uh but his name is sunny campisi and he keeps the peace in town <laughs> okay 
he's basically in the mob is what I've gathered, hmm. but he loves his neighborhood and just wants to keep it like in one piece and wants everybody from the neighborhood to be taken care of and, you know, things like that. So he's solving problems and stuff left and right. Like there's some dudes that come in and they're like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to sit. Basically they're talking about sitting down and, and selling drugs in this neighborhood. He's like, you pricks are in the wrong neighborhood. So he's like immediately aggressive. And they're like, yeah, we're gonna do a hot dog stand. He's like, well, let me tell you, my boss has the basically license to own all the hot dog stands in this neighborhood. Is this your car? And the guy's like, yeah. And then he just fucking wrecks it with his bat. He's basically like, get the fuck out basically. So, but you see him also taking care of people like, uh, in the neighborhood and stuff. And so it's really interesting. And, um, yeah, it, it's just kind of cool seeing him stuck in this. And then there's there's one guy that um, can't pay his protection money, and they the the boss wants the guy killed, and he's like, "Oh, we man, he's part of the you know neighborhood. We can't kill him and stuff." And it's just this whole thing. Well, in the middle of this, a dragon shows up, <laughs> just flies into town, huge dragon, and it lands in a construction site and falls asleep. And everybody's like, uh, "Okay," <laughs> and they kind of go on with their day. So, um. The dragon is watching everything happen. And it watches with its magic dragon eyes when they kill when the other people in the mafia kill the guy that owes the money. Oh, okay. Sonny's not there. Mm-hmm. They do it without him. So the dragon flips out when it happens, and this is a really cool shot of the dragon's face. Like you can kind of see it. Yeah. Like it's it's really stylized. Oh, the, the eyes, I just caught it, yeah. Yeah, and then so you can see right there. Mm-hmm. That's it destroying the restaurant that they were in when they killed the uh, guy. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Beam. Like the way it shoots at the fire. It's not just like yeah. flamethrower. So basically it gives this speech and it's here to search for somebody. And yeah. <laughs> um, so basically now this dude's um, this dude's job is to take care of the dragon. This dude with a baseball bat. <laughs> and then okay. it closes with a fourth grade history report on dragons set in this world. Written by some kid. So it actually tells you a bit about like, oh, this is how there are dragons in this world. Don't worry about it, basically. Oh, like an actual dumbed-down version. Like a kid explains yeah, it to yeah, you. Yeah, basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I love it. Yeah, so I really enjoyed this. This is a lot of fun. It feels mm-hmm. like, um, because it's coming from Aftershock, because it's modern, and it's got a dragon in it, I got some immediate comparisons to a book that we recently, recently got from from Tim Seeley. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's it's not that same at all. Mm-hmm. But it feels really good, and I, I, I liked it a lot. I really okay, enjoyed nice. It. So, yeah, um, yeah. And uh, AfterShock, if you guys pick up a book for AfterShock, you'll notice they have this little symbol down in the corner. Oh yes, they published a hundred titles since 2015, which is pretty cool. Surprised me too. Yeah, that takes me to Clans of Balari number two once again. Nice, nice. blue. <laughs> um, written by Peter Blackie and Rob Blackie, art by Daniel Main. Colored by Carlos Lopez and letter by Taylor Esposito. To make this as quickly as possible, this is the one with the, the sci-fi people that are in a different galaxy. Mm-hmm. They're all divided into clans. They can only do what their clan's job is. They can't right. switch clans. Uh, so that's kind of what set it up. And this young girl, uh, the main character finally reveals to her, hey, because she wants to be a pilot. He's like, you can't. We're not pilots. But that's not our job. Well, she finds out that he was a pilot because people keep calling him captain. I see. And what happened was he he had to fake his identity because he had to be dead 
And so he took this lower position as, you know, like brute force, basically. Mm-hmm. So technically, she is the daughter of a cap- of a pilot, so she could be a pilot, but they can't do it because of what happened. And, it's, you know, she finds out he basically stepped down to save her and stuff like that. So, um, but she's still not happy about it. And he still wants to try to find a way to help her become a pilot one day. So um, there's also a pretty extended uh, scene here with all the heads of the clans. So we're starting to get more lore behind the clans. Mm-hmm. And the possible formation of a new clan Ooh, okay. is brought up, so but no one seems to really like that idea. So I won't get into too many details of it. Of it's really cool, though. There's a lot of work, moving parts in this one, this issue, uh, so it's hard to really break down. But I, I did thoroughly enjoy it. I really like this book. Glad I'm picking it up. It's um, it's a good. I mean, th- this is a this is an imperfect comparison, but I mean, if you like The Last of Us and you like the the relationship between Joel and Ellie, mm-hmm. you'll probably like this. It's going to be pretty similar. Okay. You know, last it's not going to be that same story or anything like that, but yeah, the last like of us in space found family guy with a daughter, you know, like mm-hmm. taking care of as best he can. And then you got the cool political stuff going on. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. So, all right. Jose, tell us about bunny mask three. Bunny mask has a really dope, like maroonish, because of course it's gonna be a little bloody uh but yeah uh bunny mask this was written by paul tobin uh artist and color by andrea muti and lettering by taylor esposito Esposito. Uh, so in this one um i feel like now we just have like our actual three main characters it's uh tyler the guy who escaped that that cave and that like all those years and that being stuck in that cave like with that with that psycho and along with the with the little girl um, and no longer a little girl now. All, all these years later, they finally like reconnected, and it's like they're kind of seeing each other. Like they're going out, but they're not really seeing each other. Only because he doesn't know how to play his cards, or he doesn't know how to play it. Because she obviously seems interested. It's all it's kind of obvious, but there is that age gap. Only it's like yeah, now they're adults, but it's like he did know her when he was when she was a child, or at least like an adolescent when they were in that fucked up circumstance um but at the same time it's also, it's also like nobody else would kind of understand that particular situation other than her and she's her own, her own adult now so he's like teetering that line it's like i don't know what the fuck to do um only his best friend uh she's just like bro just fucking go for it <laughs> <laughs> and and that's kind of where we start here we start at the at tyler at tyler's apartment at tyler tyler and his friend's apartment and it sucks because like it's like a, a gang that just like just storms in and they're there to kill his friend's like love interest. And she's just and well basically also short, like they would have kind of like get the upper hand on this on this like gang. Only only because Tyler hears these voices, so he kind of knows what to do in these scenarios. Um only just like by by sheer luck sometimes too. But then these voice um, when the cops show up, it's like, all right, what the fuck happened? And immediately um Tyler's friend's love interest, she's just like, oh, I don't fucking know. And the voice going like, like the one with short hair lies and like, like she knows exactly what's going on. And basically like, yeah, like the, this gang was here because she was seeing somebody and she owes somebody like a gang money. So it's kind of like, okay, like, all right, this, this ghost thing is kind of like looking out for him. Like it's, it's just like, it's, it's, it's been lingering there. And throughout the issue, you find out that this thing is just literally like without turning it off he's just like as tyler's walking by everybody this thing is just telling everybody secrets in his head like like what's going on like this was wondered he put a camera in the bathroom of school she lied about who she was that night 
$40 from her mother's purse. Like, it's going by, like, profiling every single person. This dude is just, like, and Tyler's going crazy because he just can't flip it off. And it's like, I don't want to fucking hear this. Meanwhile, back at the, the I mean, the, then the third main character, the sheriff that's kind of piecing us together, because he actually did finally, finally found that cave from all those years ago. He went to go back to the house uh, recently, and he fell through. I was like, all right, shit, I guess like the their story wasn't as crazy as, as they, they said all those years ago. So he comes back to have a, a talk with Tyler, and he's just like, all right, dude, you know what? I can fucking hear it, too. Um, and this on all this ties back to the other main character, the girl that Tyler's kind of like, I don't know what to do about this. And why? Because when the sheriff fell through that cave, he found the little girl's body. So if that was, if that's her down there, then who's the person that's been seeing um, Tyler or that Tyler's been going out with? And it's right. been kind of like, is this person actually like the bunny mask? Like coming back to like the actual title, this, this entity, this spirit that kind of looks like her, but with longer hair and is rocking like the bunny mask mask. Um, it's like, all right, fuck, who is she? And then the book ends with like, as he's coming, coming back home, bunny mask like kind of or he he starts being um all these like kind of weird shadowy animals start kind of appearing around him with these glowy eyes and they chase him and then bunny mask shows up and it's like yo i need a favor or basically or else and so i I really don't know what she's coming to collect for but she's kind of into him and it's just kind of like it still doesn't answer the question who really is she but it's kind of like at least all, at least all these main, main characters aren't being into now about like what's happening and i get to meet paul tobin this weekend after comic book day <laughs> nice alright let's switch over to Dark Horse I got a couple Dark Horse books this week um, the first one is The Unbelievable Unteens mm-hmm. nice. do you read Black Hammer? I can't remember uh, no I've always wanted to Yeah, it's, a, it's in the Black Hammer universe so. uh, written by Jeff Lemire art colors and letters by Tyler Crook this is a cool concept I think you'll really enjoy Okay. so we're following this young woman who is an artist and uh, it actually opens with her to con. And so she's <laughs> at her panel or she's at her booth and she's doing um, commissions and yeah, she's just like, and then people come by and they're like really big fans. And you find out that the, the unbelievable unteens are a team in the comic she writes, right. That she created. And so all these people are like, we're really big fans, you know, and all this stuff. And they're like, um, how long is the series going to go for? She's like, as long as keep, people keep buying it, but I have an ending of mine. It's going to come, you know, eventually. And she, just typical, like, I'm like, okay, so it's going to be about the artist, you know? Mm-hmm. There's going to be a twist here somewhere. She goes home. She falls asleep. Oh, no, she goes home. She's drawing. And then this dude just shows up in her house. Ooh, okay. He's one of the characters from the Unbelievable Unteens. Ah. And he's like, hey, a long time no see. And she's like, what the fuck? And he's like, he basically proves he's real because he's able to like fall through the ground and stuff. She's mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? And he's like, basically, this is all real. And his character's name is Jack Sabbath. And he's like, you were strobe. You were one of the unteens. You're just writing your memories. Oh, ooh, and then okay. he's just like, we, you know, all this stuff talking about them. He takes her to the mansion where the unbelievable unteens were. Yeah. And there's like little bitty things like the mansion and the way it works. Like there, it's a little bit like Umbrella Academy. I'm not, and not anyway say they're trying to rip it off. I'm just like, there's right. little notices of things that reference other young superhero books that I okay. think is really cool. Um, specifically, this one is put together by a single rich man who has a 
superpowered child and then gets other superpowered children to teach them all to get, you know, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the art changes. So you can see this art. And then when I talk about the unteens, it changes this art. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So we are introduced to the team. Jack Sabbath, Kid Occultist, which is the one talking to us. Yeah. Strobe, the Living Light. Straka, who looks like he's half crystal, half rock. Kid Boom. And, of course, her, Snapdragon. And she's the one that uh, everybody really loves. She's the main char- She's the character everybody adores. That's her right okay. there. And basically, something happened. And he's like, we know what's coming. Something's going to happen. And he's like, you always said you know where the story ends, Jane. And she's like, the White Wraith saga. And he's just like, it, basically, something happened. And I'm gathering it's kind of like the Phoenix saga. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So, so she, that's what happened to them in real life. And now she's being reawakened to kind of like, show, or power show back up at the end. So, Ooh, okay. so that's kind of what it is. They're trying to figure out what's going on there and like all this stuff. I really like the way Snapdragon's drawn because there's something really menacing about that face. It is. Yeah. And so I'm curious to see what's going from here, but it's really cool. I really like how the art shifts when it's the, you know, the comic book stories versus this story. And it was really cool. Really well done. I really enjoyed it. So, mm-hmm. and it's Jeff Lemire. Oh, totally. can't really go along with Jeff Lemire. Oh, no, so. not at all. That leads me to my other Dark Horse book, which is Hellboy and the BPRD, The Secret of Chesborough House, number two. Um, so this was the two of two. It's the quick mystery about the haunted house. Mm-hmm. Uh, stories by Mike Mignola with Christopher Golden, art by Sean McManus, colored by Dave Stewart, letter by Clem Robbins. I'm not going to talk too much about this because it's a mystery. And if I told you, you wouldn't need to read it. And I want you to read it. But it's really cool. Uh, it's very much Hellboy involved in a mystery of a haunted house with the descendants of the people that are haunting it, and he just wants to sell it. And yeah, it, it's really cool. It's it's got some demon stuff in it. It's got some ghost stuff in it. It's got a less than satisfying ending, which is great because that's what it should have. You know, it shouldn't be like and everybody lived happily ever after. <laughs> that's not how it works. So, um, really enjoyed it. It's only two issues. So if you guys want a quick Hellboy story, it's a really good one to pick up. So doesn't feature a lot any of the surrounding cast okay. there's no abe there's none of them liz none of them appear in this so uh all right so that brings us on to image comics and we got some solo books hoaxway i'm gonna let you start us off with bitterroot 15 oh man okay bitterroot <laughs> oh man okay number 15 created by david f walker chuck brown and sanford green color artist is Sophie dodgson and letter by Hassan Otsamane Olau. <sighs> the ending to volume three. And boy, does it really wrap up like th- this heart this arc has just been really cool. It's like moving the family forward. Or like or, or really what does it mean for at, at this point to move the family forward? So this kind of like th- throughout the whole arc, it's been telling these two main stories, these two main years, really. It's been it's been jumping back and forth between the events of what happened in uh, 1925 and 1926, and these these two big fights that happen, or these two like epic fights that happen against evil, ultimately not against each other, um, and it, it all culminates down to that. And this really was like a fight to, I mean, as always, it is a fight to cure like hatred and racism, but it just it it became more than that, especially with like the the moves that Adro did, the, the ultimately like main villain from. This version's this version, uh, the story, this book's version of uh, Purgatory. So, it'll after that. So it just it just evolved into just saving the world 
saving the world from hatred consuming the world and just and then ravaging it and just going crazy after that. So they did. It was like this giant tree that they just kind of almost like like take down like through this like new concoction of like the Janu uh, potion and powder. Um, there's a great moment with, with Colin. Yes, not everybody makes it out. And then it just does it does something very interesting. It time jumps another for twenty six. Yeah, it, it time jumps another thirteen years. Oh shit! And yeah, yeah, I was not expecting this because like it kind of just put the it kind of just put a button on the family and it's like cool and, and this is kind of like again not ha- happily ever after because again like they saved the world from hatred but the, again there's still a lot of leftover hatred between everybody that's still around. Right. So it jumps to Germany, nineteen thirty nine. And it shows the Sangiers joining up and fighting World War II before the U.S. even touched uh, the soil uh, 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 on the other side of the world. And it's a, it's, it's a, oh, fuck, it's a, it's a messed up scene like at a, at a concentration camp, and you just see a bunch of Jews lined up ready for like, a firing squad, and then you see the Nazis only there because it's just like this version story. Right. They're already kind of like flipped and turned as monsters since like they yeah. they literally have. They, they have uh, they have no reason to hide themselves in, in this camp except for like yeah there's no reason so they're just like about to shoot when all the shin Sanjiers show up and it's just like a new team and they just look so badass just like ready to fight and they just oh, like wipe totally. the floor with them <laughs> yeah that looks awesome yeah and so i'm excited to i'm excited for this new team where it's not really all about like oh, which team or which iteration it's just like now 13 years later seeing who is now kind of like going out and going out and like kind of like fighting the good fight and now i'm wondering who's staying behind and the kind of like running like the the house missions basically and they're or making up all the potions right but it was just such a good fight it was such a good moment especially with a one of the newer characters especially when they were because they were children he was a child uh when, when we were first introduced to him and now seeing seeing him like up up in the center and up and fighting and he has a good good moment when they save um, the Jewish people. They save this camp basically, um, and he's just like, "Don't be afraid." And it's like, and this little girl is this, this kid is just like, "Oh, who who are you?" My name is Cotton, Cotton Sanjir, because it's just it's a good moment. Spoiler: he gets he gets adopted into the Sanjirs, oh. and he goes, "And as long as my family and I are here, nothing bad will happen to you." And it's like so fucking cool. Like they were actually just like fighting World War Two before like we ever just like just, like started fighting it. And yeah, this book has just completely evolved into just something else from where we started it just it became something else from a family family finding racism like finding racist monsters and it's because like this book started right after the start of the last administration and then this world just ended up spinning and spinning out of control and this book ended up almost having to adapt to that and it's like in, in a way changed its own story to its own, like its own narrative to just kind of like mirror ours as, as, as it kind of was because what this book is basically talking about our past too so in a way just like it's just like it's just become such a strong fucking book because of it and just i fucking love bitterroot and it just it only makes me sad because there's a letter at the end where it's just like and afterward just to be clear this is not the end to bitterroot this is simply the end of a particular story we started back in 2017 so it's kind of like oh they're gonna take a pause after just three mm. arcs hmm <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Nice. I'm going to have to pick all the trades up and everything. So. Oh, I hope you do. 
Uh, it's hard for me to get into a book if I didn't get in an issue one. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I, de- I definitely hear that. <laughs> so, but that one has, has my attention. But usually after after three arcs, Image likes to do those like those blown up like nice hardcovers. Oh, yeah. Totally. So you can probably just jump on that one. Just get like yeah, a... Yeah, 15 is right, perfect for hardcovers. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Now my solo Image books. Uh, the Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, number three. <laughs> nice. I enjoy this book entirely too much. <laughs> Written by Kyle Starks. Drawn by Chris Schweizer, colored by Liz Trice Schweizer, and uh, editor is John Moison. Um, so in the previous issue, uh, four of the sidekicks have gotten together to solve the murder of the most unlikable action star in television history, Trigger Keaton. In this book, they decide to recruit the fifth sidekick, who is the only girl sidekick, Allison St. Marie. The only girl sidekick, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> so the show she was in him w- in with him is a sci-fi kind of Star Trek style store show, okay. show, and she plays the young security officer who's really awesome at fighting, okay. and she has a battle cry, Goralu Ralu, and she wears this fucking thing on her head. It looks ridiculous. <laughs> so they they call cut They're like, hey, the boom mics in the camera and everything. And that's when Trigger goes on one of his usual rants. And I love reading these to you. <laughs> the move mic operator, he said, he tells him, I bet your mother was pretty damned confused when th- she thought she was giving birth and instead was taking a giant shit. <laughs> and then she says, everyone's trying their best, Trigger. And he goes, shush. If I wanted a barely legal extra to open her mouth, I'd unzip my pants. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> what the and fuck? And that's when everybody quits. Like the entire crew quits. At oh, that thank god. Point. That's what happens to her show. Uh, so they catch up with her and she's in an underground fighting ring because she's actually a badass martial artist. <laughs> okay. And uh, she's just beating up all these dudes including Terry Komodo the, the one psychic that actually likes Trigger. Mm-hmm. He challenges her and she beats his ass. <laughs> and then you find out her origin. She's actually um... She's actually really innocent and funny. She's only 23 at this point. Okay. And they're like, hey, have a drink. And she's like, I don't like to let poison into my body. Oh, shit, I forgot to bring this part out. When she's fighting Terry, they have this great conversation where he calls her a pussy. And she goes, Terry, that's not an insult. And the rest of this is happening while she beats his ass. She gives this speech. <laughs> that's not an insult. That's not hurtful. I don't think any, any anatomical part of, my, part of my body or anybody's body is an insult. Like, you wouldn't care if I called you elbow. I think all genitals genitals are great, no matter what they are, really. Bruce Lee said, be water, but I say, be a vagina. Be resilient and productive. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) And she knocks his ass out. She's like, good fight. Like, you know, as they're trying to get her drink, she's like, I don't like to let poison into my body. And they're like, oh, and then, like, they basically imply that she slept with Trigger Keaton. Mm. And she's like, I'm not going to lie. I had a huge crush on him. When I was a little girl, I saw martial art on TV and fell in love with the fighting. That's why I learned martial arts. That's why uh, that's why I learned because Trigger Keeney was told him my hero. Then it cuts to this quick flashback of her nude in his dressing yeah. room while he comes in looking surprised. And his response is very Trigger Keaton. Girl, taking you to Bone Town wouldn't be nothing to me. But I got a policy of never getting naked around anyone who can take me in a fight. Then he takes a drag off his cigarette and goes, That's how you lose a pecker. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, he's just like, yeah. And then she, they're like, oh, maybe she'll have a drink. And she tries a margarita. She's like, this is delicious. She gets trashed. Um, and basically, yeah, they're, they're going to work together to stop him. And then 
she she's like was just over she's just overwhelmingly positive and then while trashed out of her mind she takes out this whole biker gang in a fight oh my god hell yes so that she's just a lot of fun like i really like her and then she ralphs all over them in the middle of the fight because she's drunk she's like oh god i'm so sorry and then fucking punches them and shit it's like yay i won and they're like wow <laughs> so um and then uh they find out the three guys that beat them up last issue or no, the first issue are seen with the last sidekick this Ooh. dude on tv oh shit so okay. they're gonna go try to find him and the last pages are literally uh like the script of like an uh, all access like documentary from behind the scenes mm-hmm. of the sci-fi show with all these interviews of the oh. cast and crew and stuff yeah and it's her trying to be really like positive and everybody's like this poor girl like <laughs> like it's just really sad so yeah i really like this book it's so fun <laughs> I'm so glad I picked it up on a whim. I'm like, ah, that might be cool. It's just so great. So, Mm -hmm. all right. My other solo book, ordinary gods. Number two, love the art for this book. It's so good. So, um, written by Kyle Higgins of radiant black flame. Artist is Felipe Watanabe. Coloring is Frank William and lettering by Clayton Cowles. This is the one with the immortal beings in the bodies of people in our world and Mm -hmm. being awoken. Um, this is a really good issue. It doesn't. Uh, there's a moment in the first issue, if you remember correctly, where they're sitting at the kitchen table, and the sister just loses it and kills the parents. Yeah. There's no moment in this issue that matches up to that moment. Oh, okay. So I was waiting for that high again and never quite got there. But we do get a lot of admin, is what I'll say, mm-hmm. where things are kind of like explained, and they're explained basically like the sister was put there to watch him. Like, she was possessed by something to stop him if he was ever awoken to kill him. Um, and, yeah, just a lot of explaining. So, I'm not going to talk too much about it. It's just a lot that goes on. But we do reveal that the kid apparently was Stalin in a past life. Oh, no shit. Oh, yeah. man. So, yeah, it's really interesting. Because in the first issue, there were a bunch of famous people on the cover drawn. Yeah, that's right. And I was kind of wondering when that would come into play. So, he was Stalin. That's an interesting choice for a hero. Like that that's him realizing that he was. Yeah, someone's call someone calls him Comrade Stalin. Oh no. And they keep asking way. him throughout the issue, do you remember the snow? Oh damn. Okay. Yeah, and so yeah, it's really interesting. Like and again, that's for the hero, Stalin is an interesting choice. Nice. I, I was asked um, by Hakili's if I was reading that book, and it's like, no, nah, I need to pass you over to over onto Keith or listen, listen to, to our episodes because he's the one reading reading this book. He's a big Kyle Higgins fan or he really likes them. Yeah. Radiant Black, and it's like, and I cannot wait to share that bit. <laughs> yeah, like, I would compare it to, like, like first of all, if you like history, that's going to mm-hmm. be a big thing for you. Yeah. If I want to, hmm, do I want to say Highlander? <laughs> I think you I, might I think have it's dropped go that, that last direction. Time. Okay. You know, like, yeah, I, I just think it's going to go a Highlander direction. Okay, so. cool. Yeah, but I don't know if it's going to be, you know, the last one survives, but, you know, the whole Immortals thing, living past lives and things. So. Sorry, it was like a while back ago, we, we rewatched uh, Talladega Nights. It's like, I saw the Highlander. It was shit. <laughs> I love Highlander. Oh, no, I'm saying it's a line that Sasha Baron Cohen says because it's just so funny. It is his French accent. Yeah. I actually have a deviation story real quick that I always okay. thought was funny. There's a guy that used to be a manager in my work, and this is a Highlander story. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with the comic book. Oh, sure. Um, I was working late one night, so I was the only person in my area. And he came over, and he wanted advice on what car to buy. Now, keep in mind, I don't really talk to this guy very often. 
but I, I had my headphones on and he said, have you seen the pilot for, for Highlander? And I was like, I took my headphones. I'm like, what? He said, would you buy a pilot or a Highlander? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I was like, I thought you asked if I've seen the pilot for Highlander. He goes, well, I want to talk about that. And so we started talking about Highlander for like 15 minutes. Like, it was really funny. I was like, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Uh, I always think of that when I think of Highlander. <laughs> but yeah. Um, moving on to actual comic book news. Uh, <laughs> Silver coin number five. Oh, bro. I'm so glad you found this. Me too. Uh, so it wasn't at my normal store. I had to go to three stores in the end. But it was worth it. Yeah. Uh, written, written and written and drawn by Michael Walsh with Gavin Fullerton. Colors by Michael Walsh and Tony Marie Griffin. And this is the wrap up of the first arc mm-hmm. of the Silver Coin. And this is by his own words, I believe on Twitter, or was it in the book itself? I wanted to give some kind of origin. Yes. But it doesn't necessarily mean this is the beginning. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Silver Coin, of course, is the cursed item that we've seen through history fucking everybody's lives up. And we go back to a time of witch hunters. Mm-hmm. And this witch who does nothing but help everybody in the town. And then the witch hunter is you know, he's trying to find her and he bribes with a silver piece that looks awfully familiar mm-hmm. and finds the witch and in the process of killing her, curses the coin in the girl's hand when she sees it. And then it gets dark and gross. <laughs> oh, man. There's there's more tumors in this than a Mad Max movie. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it gets really gross. The, the goat is terrifying. Oh, <laughs> like, the goat just turning around and just... Oof. And then we get kind of an idea of how, like, things just keep going bad with the coin from then point. Uh, yes. So, yeah, it was, it was a really cool origin. I really dug it. Uh, but I do like the idea that it's not the origin. I know. Maybe there's something else. Further I mean, back. De- definitely. I mean, like, it's the. I would say. I mean, I would. Right now, it would. I would say is the origin to the coin. But this whole time we've been following is like, oh, is is it this pilgrim dude? Like, we've always had this ominous feeling or this ominous take or look from the pilgrim. So we always thought he was the big bad. Hmm. But then we finally met who actually put the curse, who started the curse, and it was like this witch. And in the end, it's just like you want to fuck it. She's gonna go out, go down, literally go down in flames. Like, yeah, fuck it, go down swinging. So in the end, I was like, you know, good for her and good for everyone who came across. Like in the past books, I came across hmm. this coin, innocent, but fuck it. Like it was, it was all based on this like pure act of hatred where she was just nothing but helping everybody out, even when she was kind of being like. I, I gotta go do something. I gotta go fucking do go handle something really quick. And everybody's like, "No, I just I fucking need your help right now." And she would, yeah. and she still got sold out. So it's like, oh, "Fuck everyone, fuck those people." Yeah, yeah. Um. So so now I'm curious, like, where if this is like one of those like it's not the like, exact origin. I'm pretty sure now we'll follow. May, maybe this like this uh, witch hunter just got really just held on a little too tight, and that's why we've kind of been following him around instead of following the witch around. Yeah, and it's a unique looking coin. Yes. So where do you get the coin? You know what I mean? Like, what's the origin of that? So there's also that. So right now, um, I mean, I, I didn't even think about it that way. I, I just thought it was just like when she finally um, placed like the curse on the coin. I just thought it was like whatever piece they're mm. actually running that currency that at that time. Yeah, yeah. 
I think it's interesting. So very, yeah. Um, so the next volume is going to have more guest writers, including Joshua Williamson. Hell yeah. yes, Ram Vita or Ram V, well, excuse yeah. me, Vita Ayala, <laughs> and yeah. uh, Matt Rosenberg. I love all four of those people, so I'm very I excited. I mean, honestly, yeah, no, I, I cannot wait for Joshua's Ram V's is the one I'm pro- I'm probably the most excited for, and then I'm and then I'm really excited for Vita Ayala to just like go crazy with the horror story. I'm excited think, with them. I, I want to see what Matt Rosenberg does. And then him. I know, oh, for sure. Like, because Rosenberg. I've only really seen him do like Hawkeye and stuff like that. Oh, yes. So what's he going to do? It's like, just, it's going to be interesting. It's just everybody being able to let loose. But like we like, I mean, it's, I'm used to Ron V letting loose. So it's just like, I think I know what to expect from him. But everybody else. Yeah, I'm excited for them, too. And we do get a preview of the one for Joshua Williamson, which I thought you might really think is cool. Where some kid finds the silver coin and uses it to play an arcade game. Oh yes, yes, and, and he's basically like, playing a Mortal Kombat game. No matter how bloody the game gets, mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" So, oh, absolutely <laughs> exciting. All right, uh, next up is A Man Among Ye, number six. Ooh, yes. Uh, written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Josh George, colored by John Calise, and letter by Troy Pateri. Um, we get to check in with Jack Rackham. And just being a piece of shit like he is. Thanks a lot, douchebag. Yeah. Um, thanks for ruining everything. <laughs> um, and we meet a new character, Amira. Yes. Whose loyalties might be in question. One way or the other. Mm-hmm. And she helps break our girls out of prison, which is great. Um, the way the story's told, it's implied that she works with Jack Rackham. But maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe she's using him. I don't know. We'll see. So, and um, she helps him get out and stuff. It, it's just really cool. This is obviously setting up what's going to be the next arc. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Uh, as their adventures with her and the introduction of this dude. Oh, it's dope. Fucking scary as hell. Yeah. <laughs> like an actual um, true scary pirate. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I mean, there's not a lot to talk about because it's really a setup at this point. Mm-hmm. But I mean. If you guys listen to our show, you know we love this book. So, oh, God, just, Lady Pirates, man, love Lady it. Pirates, like actually, actually kicking ass, and just like, yeah, everybody just has to be gorgeous in this book. If you're gonna be a main oh, yeah. character, you just have to be pretty as fuck. And it's like, I know I have like no chances with Anne Barney, but Amita, oh my God, it's like borderline looks like Esmeralda from Hunchback Notre Dame. Oh, like, yeah. oh my God, yes, <laughs> good stuff. So definitely pick it up if you guys haven't already. It's really a book that goes under the radar, I think. So, Next up, Deep Beyond, number seven. Ooh. You ready to see the cover I got? Yeah. I got the Merca cover. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. I, I love that they actually see, show. You can see the face. Yeah, That's I love that they actually way. show the the variants, like, after, like, in the oh, last yeah, page, yeah. and then just show in the back. I feel like yeah. only once did they ever kind of timed it right with... Um, what the last panel was and then the variant kind of it kind of went is it like when they go through the portal and that mm-hmm. variant kind of went with it. it was almost like an extra page for you <laughs> created by Merca and Dolfo and David Goy uh, Andrea Bricardo and Barbara Nascenzo um, this is the first time I've noticed that this is 7 of 12 oh yeah I didn't notice it was a mini until now so oh, okay so that's cool I mean that some stories, it's nice to know there's an incoming, so, you know, you it's contained, you know what I mean? Yes. This one's really interesting because it introduces us to um, a character who's significantly older than all of them. Mm-hmm. 
who is an absolute genius and is destined for greatness and is revealed to be a part of the organization that did this all and has a terrible mustache. <laughs> the ugliest mustache I've ever seen in my life. It is just too blonde. <laughs> yeah, it's too long. It's too blonde and too long. Mm-hmm. And it goes straight down. It's awful. <laughs> you cannot eat soup with that mustache. Um, and basically, yeah, we see a little bit of the like w- the the traitor that was revealed in the last few issues. Mm-hmm. We see her see her being perfectly happy where they are. Oh yeah, and and wanting to keep everything under control. And we also see um, oh god, what's his name? The the main character, her her husband that came looking for her. Oh right. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I forgot his name. Anyways, um, we see him and the twin talking together, and the traitor chick is just um, traitor chick is kind of like, "Oh, is there sexual tension between you two? She's like, "Absolutely not. I'm totally shipping you." So she's like the fun, kooky character. Mm-hmm. If we didn't know she was the traitor, we'd love this character. Oh, for sure. You know uh, what I mean? It's, it's and Paul. so, Paul, thank you. But we do know that she's the traitor. Yeah, it's kind of like oof. You know what I mean? Like. It's really interesting. It, it's, I, it's, it's, it's just really looking more obvious now. It's just like, just like in that, what is that? In that irony way, like the, where the audience knows who the bad guy is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love doing that. So, uh, basically, yeah. And then the good news is, is the, uh, the guy with the mustache, let's just say he didn't last long. I don't have to worry about looking at that mustache too long. <laughs> so, yeah, his name is Hermes too, which is just excellent. So, um, I'm really enjoying this. I, now that I know there's only five issues left, mm-hmm. the cogs are starting to turn in my head, you know? Oh, yeah. And we also get an idea of, like, these people were sent here under the understanding that these aliens would be long dead. So why aren't they? That's kind of the mystery right mm-hmm. now. And that's curious. I'm very curious to see where that's going. So what do you think? No, I mean, I just I just really like how, like, the scope just ends up getting, like, bigger and bigger. Like, we just kept, keep exploring this world. Like, we start, it's already, we, started, we start with the messed up world, so we explore the depths. We find the station. We find we find a portal. Now we go in thinking that it should be one way, but we go through, and it's evolved into something else. It just kept getting, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and it's like, every time it's just like, it just seems like it's not going to be enough. There's just, like, something else just gets presented, or something else just gets dropped for for. for for it to just be enticing enough to, for you to stay, you know, and, and I definitely yeah. want to know what the mystery is. Like, how did this alien race like survive when it was it was supposed to kind of what set up to fail? Yeah, like if you think back to the beginning of this book, we had this post-apocalyptic world with these crazy monster-looking things. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter at all anymore. That hasn't yeah, no. been brought up in, in, <laughs> in like issues. That's cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Like we got a nice swerve. So yeah, really, really cool book. I'm really enjoying it. So, um. Next up, we're going to switch over to DC. However, I have something else that popped up on Twitter, and this is DC-related, Josue. Ooh. I forgot to mention this during the news. Have you seen Tom Taylor's announcement today? Oh, no. I thought you were going to go with Stephanie Phillips' announcement. Uh, what'd she announce? Um, she, she's been teasing that, that she hasn't been able to talk about this project, but she got a Wonder Woman book, Wonder Woman Evolution. And it'll be, uh, it'll be a mini. I think it was out of eight. And think of, the premise is basically a, a little bit of uh, like the blue flame. She's, she's, she's our, our champion or our champion to see if humanity survives or something. Oh, cool. That's, uh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So Tom Taylor's been teasing this with an acronym and said if anyone figured out what the acronym stood for, he would tell us. Ooh, okay. And it was DKOS. DKOS. It's, call, it's a book called, and it's a limited series. It's only 12 issues. 
Dark Knights of Steel. Okay. And I'll just read what he put here. The birth of an all-new DC universe, swords, sorcery, superheroes. Oof, okay. And right now, I'm sending you the cover because it gives you an idea what to expect. This looks sexy as hell. I cannot wait for it. <laughs> and it's Tom Taylor and oh, Yasmin Putrin. Okay, I, I did see the page, but I, I didn't. I just never clicked on it. Oh mm-hmm. damn! Okay, so <laughs> why another Batman? Book? <laughs> well, it's 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 no, it's the whole DC universe. Okay, oh it is. Okay, oh yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, it's in. And someone asked, "Is it just going to be the big three? He said, "Absolutely not." Basically, it's a lot. Oh of my characters. god! No, I want to bring attention to because I love Tom Taylor, and I've already retreated his response here. <laughs> someone asked, "This actually looks nice and out of the DC regular woke trend." Ugh. I suppose nothing is perfect, and wokeism will be in this comic. Hopefully not, but DC is already dying like Marvel and Disney. When new chiefs come and change direction, we'll see then. So, first of all, fuck you, buddy. Fuck and you. Second of all, Tom Taylor's response is great. It's queer as heck, my friend, and nothing's dying here. It will sell just fine. A smiley <laughs> face. Yes. <laughs> I love Tom Taylor. <laughs> oh, God, I hope it's gay as fuck. <laughs> so... Hooray. Okay, now um, I am going to get this book. Yeah, me, me too. I was like, you just sold me, Tom. Um, all right, so let's talk about our DC books. I got a couple of solos. I got Challenge of the Super Suns number five. Nice. Uh, oh, yeah, deluxe cover as always. Mm-hmm. So once again, this is with uh, John Kent and Damien saving the Justice League against their own will. Um, story and words by Peter J. Tomasi. Art by Max Rayner and Evan Stanley. Colors by Luis Guerrero and letter by Rob Lay. This is the one where they save Aquaman. Okay. And it basically opens with Aquaman talking to an EMT and being like, I don't know what happened. I was swimming. There was an explosion on the explosion on the seafloor. And then I woke up on the deck on, on the dock, basically. Okay. What happened was they sent a monster that could kill Aquaman. So Damien actually references something really cool. He's like, uh, do you think Aquaman knows we used a version of Scarecrow's fear toxin my father broods precisely to defeat him if he ever goes rogue? Holy so shit. So it references like the whole Omac thing, the Tower of Babel story. Holy yeah. fuck. So yeah, it's basically what it is, is. He used it to scare him off away from the monster, and it's basically it's called a death kraken. Oh shit. And, yeah, and basically they end up fighting it. I love Damien's, like, because John's captured, and he's like, time to save my sidekick, which I thought was pretty <laughs> funny. Um... But yeah, they fight it, uh, they defeat it, and they're like, cool. And so, like, again, the whole thing is that they they have this scroll that tells them which person they have to save next. And they can't tell the person because it's, like, cursed. Well, the only Justice League members, major Justice League members, who haven't been attacked are their fathers. Mm. So th- there's only two left, so they're like, it's going to be our fathers. Well, it's actually their symbol, their combined symbol. Oh, shit. So they have to save themselves somehow. Oh, that's and- cool, yeah, and then we get a cool flashback going back to when this deal originally happened. Uh, there's a pretty funny moment where uh, John uses his super breath to blow away a bunch of dust, and it just covers Damien with stuff. <laughs> nice. And he's just like, I can't wait to get my hands on some kryptonite. <laughs> <Basically>. <laughs> I love Damien so much. I feel like Damien, um, would, Damien would be just, just be an asshole enough to just be like, when they're not together, but just like to linger 
around or at a, at a safe distance to just like drain Jonathan for like a little bit. Like, all right, I had my fun. I'm out of here. I'm, I'm back to God. Back down to, to, like, to reality. Um, but yeah, it's fun. I think it might be ending soon because I think we're actually going to get the uh, showdown with Vandal and Felix Faust. Okay. We're the bad guys. So, but I've had a lot of fun with Challenge of Super Sons. It's, you know, it is what it is. So next up, Detective Comics 1041 deluxe cover. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. Wish I didn't get such a glare. <laughs> They're too shiny, is what I say. Um, so, this is following up on the whole thing with Hugh Vile, the guy with the uh, the the thing inside of him, the parasite that took over a bunch of people, including Huntress. Well, Huntress is now free of it, and she's out hunting down all the victims of Hugh Vile, and Batman gets involved again. So, this is written by Mariko Tamaki, drawn by Dan Mora. Colored by Jordi Belair and lettered by Aditya Bidikar. And basically, um, it's it's the story of, you know, Hugh Vile's missing. No one knows what's going on. And then uh, he is, Batman is confronted by uh, the Penguin and basically put on a fake, a mock trial, if you will. And um, he, he basically declares himself innocent, which he is, basically. And but then in, in the end, they are able to infect him with Hugh Vile's parasite. So now Batman is infected, and who knows what will happen there? Like that's kind of where we're left off. Might lead to a really cool Batman versus Huntress fight with it kind of flipped, with her being the good guy and not infected. So that's cool. Um, we also got a backup story in the end, uh, where we're because we've been getting backup stories in basically every issue of this. And um, this one is actually uh, following the reporter uh, from the, the series, Deb Donovan, as she's investigating a, uh, a basically, yeah, something she's, she's looking into. Uh, but it basically leads to a Task Force Z tease. And uh, I'm excited for Task Force Z, so that's really cool. I can't wait to see what's coming from that. And if she's connected to it in some way, I don't know. That's really cool. The tease was written by Matthew Rosenberg. Drawn by Derek Robertson, colored by Diego Ro- uh, Rodriguez, and lettered by Rob Lay. So, yeah, pretty cool. Next up, solo book. DC Infinite Frontier. Yeah, so DC Infinite Frontier number four. Um, this one is continuing the this, like, universe-spanning story. Um, it's giving me vibes of, like, 52 or Countdown, where it's, like, so many different characters. And it feels like it's coming out every week, so... Very similar to 52 in that way. And again, I don't want to get too much into what happens because there's like 12 stories going on. Right. Um, There's a lot of stuff going on and a lot of it's really interesting. So written by Joshua Williamson, penciled by Paul Pelletier, Jesus Marino, and Zermonico, inked by Norma Rapun, Raul Fernandez, and Zermonico, colored by Hi-Fi, and lettered by Tom Napolitano. Um... But basically, so we had the Justice, the Justice League of the uh, the multiverse, which was like President Superman and all them. Right. Uh, they get betrayed by one of their own, and it's just really interesting. It's Machine Head, who looks like Iron Man, basically. So I was okay. like, oh, he's just ripped off of Iron Man. But he basically, um, his whole thing is like, I don't want to destroy the multiverse. I want to keep a separate, no more crossing over between worlds. And he's like. A lot of people in the multiverse feel the same, and so we came together knowing there must be a great a sacrifice to correct a great injustice. 
and we get oh Ooh. yeah Holy so shit. we have okay we have a new injustice society wait who was that person in the uh, in the yellow mid left side that's the joker okay that's and the yellow lantern i, I thought I, th- I saw yellow lantern but then i saw jokerish face is like yeah. and then and then you went away it's like I, I just need to clear that really quick Ooh, yeah, so, shit. yeah also we see roy reunite with jade in them um so we'll okay. see what's going on with the black lantern ring that's right that was an interesting yeah. part yeah there's a lot going on uh yeah we check in with C- captain carrot president superman a lot of people so mm-hmm. a lot going on all right uh next up is supersized batman urban legends number six <laughs> so deluxe cover oh nice black canary hell yeah Yep. So, so this one has four stories. I usually go through this pretty quick, and I'll try my best here. The first story is Red Hood and Batman in Cheer, Part Six of Six, written by the Madman Chip Zdarsky, <laughs> drawn by Eber Ferreros, Eber Ferre- or Eddie Barrows, Eber Ferreira, Scott Eaton, and Julio Ferreira, with Oclair Albert. Uh, Marcus Toe does the flashback art. Adriana Lucas colors. Becca Carey letters. So in the last issue, Batman basically sacrificed himself to save Jason. So Batman has been captured by Mr. Freeze and Cheer, which is the dude using Cheer Drops, which is the Scarecrow Sphere Gas, but makes you happy instead of afraid. Mm -hmm. And his whole thing is he's going to show Batman what it's like to be happy, what it would like to actually be happy. And Jason has to save him. Well, Jason, Jason basically convinces Barbara to let him into the Batcave. And she's like, Batman will kill me. He's like, yeah, who'll be dead if you don't, basically. So he has one antidote to teardrops. Only one. Yeah. And so he's like, all right. Um, he's about to leave, and he walks up and sees a bunch of Batman uh, suits. And he's like, can't run in there unprepared. <laughs> and then we get a shot. of We go back to Batman. He basically has a gas mask on that's just force-feeding him cheer over and over and over. So he's just breathing in only cheer. Jeez. Then Jason makes his appearance in this awesome costume. Uh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. He starts fighting them. It's really great. Uh, he uses the cheer gas on Jason. Okay. Jason, in what, what would make him happiest is him standing there and Bruce saying, Jason, it's okay. It's all over. No more Batman. No more masks. No more. And they're basically like, it's it's Bruce saying, I did it. He was the last one, but I did it. The Joker is dead. I'm done. And oh then he's God. just like, and he's like, what is this? He's like, it's love. It's peace. It's exhaling for the first time ever. It's family. It's life. Our lives stripped free of masks. And the whole Bat family's there. Dude, I'm getting fucking chills, dude. Dude, dude just wait. It. Just fucking wait. So I thought that was going to be like, oh, so good. And he's just like, we lived it as a family and he's crying. And then he's like, he's able to break free of it. He's like, basically like, he's able to fight the cheer gas, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. They did make a point of like, oh, you're not getting as pure as Bruce, though, which I was like, <laughs> just let Jason break free. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I didn't need that little bit. You know what I mean? So, um, Cheer is basically like, I'm going to beat your ass. And Jason says, uh, Jason smiles. And the guy's like, ah, smile. Gas worked on you after all. He's like, no, this is genuine cheer. You know what happiness is? It's knowing that others have your back. And the rest of the Bat family show up. Sick. (laughs) So good. Is is that even the new Batman 2 in the back? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fucking dope. It's so cool. And then 
So they show up and they beat him up. And Tim's not there because Tim is at the hospital beating up the dude that's going to kill the hostage they have. Oh, okay. So Tim helps too. Um, but the best part is, so Batman's breathing in cheer and he's all smiling and stuff. And Jason's like, I hope this works. And he gives him the, the anti-venom. you know venom, And he's like, where's cheer? And they basically hunt down cheer, capture him. They arrest him and everything, right? And it's like, like, God, Jason's just like, what's, are you okay? He's like, I'm fine. And then it cuts to the kid from before, the kid whose dad Jason accidentally killed. Mm-hmm. And he gives him a blue hoodie because he's the blue hood. Uh-huh. Like, he's like, uh-huh. you're the blue hood kid, the best superhero ever. And then it's Jason getting real leave. And he's like, listen, I'm giving up the guns. Jason tells Batman, he's like, I've been using rubber bullets lately. He's like, and Jason or Bruce, is like, I'm glad to hear that. He's like, no, listen, I, I'm not doing it for you. I think some people should die. Yeah. And those people, I still want to hurt them, Bruce. I just don't want to hurt anyone else. And I'm like, that's really good. And then they they shake hands and they're about to leave. And Bruce says, Jason, life is too short for us to be like this. And Jason just drives off on his motorcycle. <laughs> and then it's just like Leslie, the doctor, she's just like, Jason, leave. Yeah, he left. You know, and then she goes, what did the gas show you? And he said, happiness. Oh, man. So this is Bruce's version of happiness. He doesn't Ooh. tell her, but it shows it. And it's him and the Bat family. Right. Hanging out. And it's Jason having killed the Joker. Oh, shit. His happiness is him letting Jason kill the Joker. With the gun. With the fucking gun. He's like, I got him. Oh, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He has him captured. That's what it is. Uh, And Joker's begging for his life. And Batman says, shut up and chokes him and kills him. That would be what would make Batman happy. Fuck. And then it has the Bat family. The one thing that's been the one thing that's been tugging at him, like the one thing that like there's one moral thing to not cross, and it would be to and it would be to let someone else witness to let someone else take the kill of to the biggest kill him off. of the biggest piece of shit ever, like that that yeah. last knot to just finally fucking, be tied to literally so fucking tied. Oh it's man, so good, dude. that's actually really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we're, all, we're all twisted. We're all like not. We're all flawed. It's just like, why yeah. not have this be Bruce's fucked up fantasy? Like, it, it, it would make him happy, but it's also something he can never do. Yeah, and that too which explains just how fucking emo Bruce Wayne. Is. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other stories that I'll touch on briefly uh, that we had a Zealot story, which is a member of Wildcats with mm-hmm. Grifter. Um, so Matt Rosenberg wrote this one just like he wrote the Grifter story uh, with Chris Sprouse, Carl Story. Pete Pantazis and Josh Reed. It was pretty cool. If you're not familiar with Zealot, it was pretty dope. Um, I will tell you this. She fights Wonder Woman and hurts her. Oh, shit. So that says a lot. Uh, and then there's a Black Canary story written by Joshua Williamson, drawn by Trevor Hersine, colored by Rain Burrito, and letter by Steve Wands. This one was actually important because it's leading into the Shadow War, which is going to be a crossover, I'm pretty sure, and is going to be continued in Deathstroke, Inc. Basically... Mm. Black Canary goes undercover for some criminal organization and she's partnered with Deathstroke. Oh, shit. Okay. So, and they do not like each other. <laughs> but the other story I want to talk about is Tim Drake in Some of Our Parts, Part 3 of 3. Okay. Written by Megan Fitzmartin, drawn by Belina Ortega, colored by Alejandro Sanchez, and lettered by Pat Brassau. So, this takes up the Tim Drake story where his friend was kidnapped when they were out having dinner. Uh, he ends up saving them as Robin. And when, he, uh, when he's saving them, the kid is like, 
worried he's going to die. And he's like, listen, do me a favor. Please tell Tim Drake. He helped me realize my true self, who I am. Tell him. Well, he's probably, he probably knows he's the smartest guy I've ever met, but tell him, I wish we could have finished our date. Oh, Tim has a little smile on his face. He ends up saving him. And then he comes back as Tim after the guy gets home and tells him, did you actually see the panels of this? I don't know if you read them. No. Okay. What he tells the kid is, um, I'm really glad you got home okay. I was relieved. Blah, blah, blah. I've been doing a lot of thinking about that night. And I don't know what it meant to me, not yet, but I'd like to figure it out. Oh. And the kid said, I was hoping you would. Tim Drake, do you want to go on a date with me? And he says, yeah, yeah, I think I would want, I want that. So fuck yeah, Tim Drake's Aww, gay. No, yes. <laughs> Which I'm totally fine with. So I love it. Absolutely great. And curious to see where that goes. So lots in that book. So I always try to go through this as quick as I can. <laughs> um, next up, Josue, tell me about Wonder Woman 777. Whew. Okay. Wonder Woman 777. Remember last time where like Wonder Woman is going, is going through all the, all, all the eras, all the times, um, bunch of different realms. And she finally made it to the DC universe. Um, let's just uh, shout out who made this wonderful book written by Michael W. Conrad and Be- Becky Cloonan, uh, pencils by Emanuela Lupacino, inks by Wade Von Grawbadger, and colors by Jordi Belair, and lettering by Pat Brazo. So she didn't come back to the DC universe. I mean, to our, she, to our DC universe, she landed on, and they actually call it out specifically, Earth 11. And as she gets here, uh, Siegfried, Siegfried is just like, oh, shit. So this is where you're from. Like, it's pretty dope. Like, like we're actually back on, on Earth. Like, or, or he's like, this is the Earth everybody talks about because he met her in Valhalla. And, she, and she's like, yes, this is my place. This is my domain. I know exactly where we are. That bitch right there in front of us, that's the Hall of Justice. Let's go inside. <laughs> and you get inside and you see these, uh, you, you, you see these statues. Just hopefully you can get a clear shot. Of these statues, mm-hmm. very womanly giant statues of the Justice League. Yeah. And you're like, oh fuck. And then you're introduced with um to her. And for off the bat, it's like, oh, Miss Martian. And yeah. it, it takes a while to be like, oh, it's Miss Martian, Miss Martian. And it's like, actually, it's Marsha. Marsha Marsha. She, she's the real uh Martian Manhunter of this world. This is a whole a gender swapped uh world where it's especially like it's basically like A Force. It's just like the Justice League is all is all women. And but not like it's not it's not um Supergirl for the Superman. Like it really is like she is like the Superman's version of this world. Like Batman isn't like Stephanie or any any other any other any other bad girls. It's just like this version is Batman. It's really fucking cool. Arthur is like this <laughs> gorgeous blonde. With the with the with the trident, and and in this world, it is actually it's actually Wonder Man from Elysium, not the Mysteria. So that's where it kind of swaps here a little bit. Um, uh, Wonder they're basically like, all right, so wait, so who the fuck are you? And after that, everybody's like, yo, you should be part of our fucking team instead of like Wonder <laughs> Man, because the whole time, because also like Wonder Man just just flipped. Yeah, um, they're basically like the she. Uh, Diana explains to them like, "Yo, I'm only here because I'm chasing Janice, who's like, who has like the the God Killer, and, and she's been going from realm to realm." And they're like, "Okay, cool. I guess, I guess that checks out. We believe you." Um, and then uh, also because Janice released Wonder Man, Wonder Man had basically has said, "You know, humanity fucking sucks. I'll rule it, <laughs> and let's just change up this whole thing and make an actual patriarchy in this woman 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 run world." 
and they're just like, uh, fuck no, bitch. And only maybe because it's, it's also Wonder Man slash Wonder Woman, he's also just as fucking strong. So it right. basically took a whole team to just like put him away, and now he's released. And of course, but now we have fucking Diana, Wonder Woman, and just like wipes the floor with him, and it's just, it, it's just fucking awesome. And of course, Janice makes a presence, uh, like shows up, and and oh, and also the, like the cool part is that instead of a Green Lantern for the team. It's actually Star Sapphire. It's a Star Sapphire Lantern instead of a Green Lantern because that's how it kind of it started in a way. So I kind of I, I I did dig the that that swap where it's like they it really are just like focusing on like the women of DC running this team. Also, another plus is that Deadman shows up, so so it's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I, love I, that. <laughs> I, I fucking love Deadman. I love that he's been part of this book. Um. So yeah. So Janice, um, she opens up a portal with her with her blade, and it's like, all right, you gotta follow me this time if you if you want to save Deadman. So it just it just sucks that we only got one issue in Earth Eleven because I, I really wanted to stick here to stay here for a while in, in this like Woman Justice League world. And right before like the portal's closing, um, it's either stopping Wonder Man because like it, he's still he's still kind of like fighting like he's still fighting. And but now it's kind of like the Justice League is like no, it's cool. Like we fucking got him. Like you go after him. And it's just Diana being badass. She's literally holding a portal open with her bare hands and just like barely holding it open just enough so she can get her and Siegfried and the and the squirrel Raditz can can get through, and they do. And so now, kind of, we're back at the beginning, and only I, I don't know exactly where we are because every time we shift realms, like her attire changes. Only in this case, it's only been his that changed. She still stayed as Wonder Woman, and he got into this toga form. So I think they went back to Greek or to like to to Olympus, but um. I, I think I think we're coming back to to the end game of of this arc because yeah this is still it's still titled Afterworlds Part Eight, um, but yeah I think this has actually been one of my favorites only because like exploring this world is just really cool seeing this uh, iteration of the Justice League and just like just being run by women and just being like fuck yeah this matriarchy rules they actually have yeah. peace on this earth. <laughs> nice. All right, our last DC book we share, uh, which is Future State Gotham number four. Nice. Um, non-deluxe cover i couldn't find a deluxe cover at all Oh, you actually got the opposite of one of me oh that's cool the, the, like, the, uh, these two these two actually connect oh yeah that's pretty dope yeah <laughs> um i love future stick I, I, I was considering uh, getting both of them that's why i'm like no no, no i'm gonna go with just the one written by dennis culver art by nicola sesmigia sure <laughs> uh letter by troy pateri um, so this one kind of takes a step away from the rest of the Future State Gotham we've been reading, which is mostly about Jason. Yeah. This now focuses on Punchline and Harley for the most part, where they just get into a gigantic fight. Um, I really like this book. I love the visuals of it. I love the storytelling. The only thing I'll say is that this book said two things that sent a shiver up my spine because I never, ever, ever wanted to hear either of these things ever said aloud. The first one was, the second Joker War. Yeah. I was like, fuck. I didn't even want the first one. Mm-hmm. So, and the second one was the next Joker. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, DC. I hate the Joker. Okay. <laughs> I love you as a company. You're doing so much better. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm never going to buy anything that features the Joker as the main character. Yeah. It's no. not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, and again, like, and I really don't care who you put on the team. I get that. Like, I love me some James Tynan, but it's not going to get me to buy another Joker book or a Joker book. Yeah, it's not happening. I don't. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> I hate that character. He's despicable. There's nothing redeeming about the Joker. So why should I cheer for him? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I don't want to read a book about someone I just absolutely can't stand. Yeah. What's the point of that? <laughs> like, uh, 
But yeah, other than that, I, not to complain about this book. I just wanted to make that joke. I, I love it. I thought the action was really cool. Oh yeah, I don't no. really like Punchline all that much, but I thought she was pretty good in this. And I don't know much about Punchline because again, it's just like a very recent, recently new Batman villain mm-hmm. character. But actually, I just, I fucking, I just love this book. This, this black and white just works for me, and especially this issue, this issue, this issue alone with like this opening spread. Oh yeah, that was awesome. It just, it reminded me, like, like just like it's not completely blocky, but like the, the blocky method, the blocky style of it reminded me of, uh, and also because we, I had just read it this week from catching up for last week, it reminds me of a, of a Joan and Vosca style of art, like yeah, yeah. In, in that blockyish way, and it just fits mm-hmm. because it's like a crazy Harley Quinn story or side story. And then of course, and it's like I, honestly, and now I really want to like dive in into some some DC lore and piece my own uh, piece my own uh, puzzle because I want to know what the fuck happened from Mother Panic to Hunter Panic. I yeah, know, I was gonna say we also got introduced to Hunter Panic. I want to know that story because I fucking love Mother Panic so much, and it's some someone who's not been utilized in Gotham. So the fact that we have a Gotham book, and then at least like a panic character shows up it's, it's literally yeah. the same helmet but it's a different person it's like okay and, finally and taking like, up that spot that jason and rose gave up yeah so. um so yeah so it's a character i've been waiting for to just be more utilized so it's like this book just was like, it really hit it off for me even though it was like a punchline book uh then i didn't really care the other aspects just like just really shine for me totally 100 percent. still a really cool book oh really yeah enjoyed it. i just don't care about the joker <laughs> so <laughs> All right, let's move on to Marvel, our last publisher. Josue, tell me about Miles Morales 29 slash 269. Yes, Legacy 269, and this one by Saladin Ahmed. And artist is Chris Allen. Color artist is David Guriel and Corey Petit for The Letter. This is, um, I guess, the epilogue. It's uh, the Clone Saga Fallout chapter. Mm. And in this one, it's, yeah, it's just like Miles dealing with the fallout, the aftermath of like, what to do after the crazy shit that just happened. He has happened. a new brother. <laughs> he has a new brother, Shift. It was just like this, like, gooply, like, shifty like, uh, type of uh, specimen experiment, but it's still very much a, mi- a Miles. And it touches back on this, like, this, uh, this part of, like, where this book started. And it's, like, really just, like, him having this, like, this long eternal monologue where he's, like, dumping it all out on his journal. And that's really been a project that, since the beginning of th- this uh, Miles book. It's just him really kind of, like, just, like, Talking to his journal, or just like letting letting all letting it all down, because um, yeah, because also uh, happy also a school project. <laughs> and what's really cool is that Miles comes home, we realize like, yo, my suit is just has gone to complete shit, especially no shit. Uh, especially after this fight. <laughs> um, so he finally hits up who is uh, on their contacts as the homie, and he's like, "What up, Kay? It's Spidey. Uh, I'm ready to try it on." Oh shit! Really? You gain any weight since the last measurements? <laughs> Grown any? And it's because this Miles is hitting up this person who promised them, like, "Yo, if you ever need a new suit, I got you." It's also it's also somebody that Miles like saved. Um, so yeah, so it's Miles just like kind of touching back on like on on his folks, touching back on school, and it's like, "Yo, I don't know what the fuck to do now." Um, <laughs> there's a good moment of him talking with Shift through um, a sewer drain, and he even does a um, a Pennywise call call a call out because it is very creepy. Some uh. Somebody from from his school who's kind of like his bully, like like sees him talking to like a sewer, a drain, a drain, and they kind of make fun of him because like it is weird that Miles is just like talking to a drain. <laughs> and then um, so yeah, so anyway, um, it does come back to um, Miles. Well, Miles also Miles is still also working to save Shift because like he doesn't know what like 
he knows that that shift and where the other and the other clones were like on his on his ticking time bomb of them dying um and then he realizes because like he d- he does takes it takes his homework home right to, to to save him but then realizes that yo all of his molecules have become stable like he's okay like he didn't do anything he didn't give him anything to see well fuck it hopefully this works um <laughs> they pretty much theorize that during this fight when shift was holding baby billy the uh, Ma's sister in her adorable babyness she sneezes like a, a, a giant projectile <laughs> sneeze at, at shift and they theorize that well because since they're related or and then i guess to some degree some similar similar bacteria that somehow got mixed in with shifts with shifts molecules and his whole his whole system that stabilized his unstable molecules and i guess that that ended up working because shift is okay now just because just by that alone so baby billy as a as a baby is already a hero in her own right so fuck yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah so miles then meets up with uh the person he was there to, to meet up with and he's just like in these raggedy clothes because he's wearing his spidey suit, but he's just wearing all these garbage clothes on top of him because he's just trying to <laughs> trying the most to hide himself. And it's really cool because I love this character so much. It's like the person, the the cosplayer or like the the fashion person that he saved. They're non-binary, so it's like I love that they really focus like on on the topic here because she like uh, this this person. They are just they're very much underage. They're a child, and so they're accompanied by their guardian and at, at this point they're like yo hey can you just like give me and spider-man uh, some private so uh, a little part so we can talk and the parent is just like yo i think what this, what this is is fucking dangerous but i also know the whole story on like how you save them and ever since then they've been nothing but shining this whole time like almost like they got like a new lease on life and just like mm-hmm. being able to be this free and it's like it's a very very like beautiful moment on just like this parent being okay with at least like having their child having some sort of relationship with the with the Spider Man with the fucking with the hero because that alone is a dangerous to just be associated with a hero and you're a kid. But anyway, it's just really cool. Uh, Miles gives like uh, sends them back a, a, a thank you note, and damn, I'm actually excited for this uh, for this new suit. It is very Scarlet Spider. It's my only it's my only knock on it, but it is very it is kind of cool. Oh, I dig it. Yeah, right. He has like that yeah. like. It, like it covers his mouth, like like the hoodie comes from like the it reminds me like a little bit like Bakugo style, but mm-hmm. I get that he has like the Scarlet Spider scheme already, but now the red comes out too much that reminds me of the Scarlet of like Scarlet Spider. Uh, but then again, like it, it is specified, like they they did say they did tell Miles that it's a little looser, and you do get to see like the top is like more jackety. So I I do like the style that it is kind of more of a loose fit, so you can actually just like move around more. So cool, yeah. Miles Ma- has, has a new outfit, and oh cool. The cover for the next one, you kind of get to see a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a bad suit. Yeah, I like the backpack. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah. Nice. All right. Yeah, um, and then uh, tell me about Fantastic Four Life Story 3. <laughs> okay. Miles, uh, sorry. Uh, Fantastic Four Life Story number three, The 80s by Mark Russell. Artist is Sean uh, Izakse and colors is Nolan Woodard. And Joe Caramanga for the lettering. This is a very dense book, and this one uh, mainly focus focuses on Johnny Storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reed is still very much obsessed over Galactus coming, uh, <laughs> so much so that he's still he's still getting talk show um, like spots 
And they, uh, but now they're telling, I'm like, yo, maybe don't talk about the Galactus shit. Cause it's kind of a bummer now. <laughs> Cause now, <laughs> now, I mean, like it's been 20 years now since like, since this, this has been happening that it's just more now, like the audience just like sees it now as in like, it's just sad to see, to hear and talk about where it's also just a, he, he makes it such a bummer topic. So it's kind of like, it's not really what talk shows are for. So anyway, and it's also like the, the in the eighties, in this world, the fantastic four are very much just divided. Reed is still very much on his, like I said, Reed is, Reed is very much still on his obsession, obsessed mission for how to stop Galactus. Only in this case, at least, at least Reed now has friends. He's, um, he also he did botch to get a uh, government contract, but at the very least, um, he's uh, working with Tony Stark. So at least a little MU cameos here and there. Franklin Richards is a uh, is a teenager and he's struggling with his powers. Um, and and John, like I said, like John, Johnny Storm is just like kind of going touching with like everybody around. Like in, in this book, his his relationship with the thing isn't as isn't as like them just like butting heads as, as, as they, as they always are just probably because there is no team for them to be buddy heads with. Mm-hmm. Um, he touches up with, with Sue, but in this case, like it's just Sue using Johnny to pick up Franklin from Reed so that she doesn't have to see Reed. Cause she's still very much with, with, uh, with Namor. Um, so, uh, and in this case, and, and in, in this decade, the big bad is, uh, the mad thinker. He's, he's also trying to like, find his way in and around to for for this whole galactic galactus thing he rescues or he, he actually bails out uh victor von doom from the last issue from the last decade uh just so they can kind of like they basically also like release uh their plan is also just like not just the galactus thing is to release all the all the nukes all the nuclear bombs since so i was like a big thing in the 80s um and so when they do it's all about like now in, in this book in the 80s since it's now it's not it's now more developed uh, we get more of the MU um, helping out, like we Symbiote Spidey, that version of Thor, um, Silver S- Silver Suit Iron Man. Since we already saw um, Tony Stark, and so they're all going around trying to stop their own their own nukes, or just like sending on more high. And of course, there's just one nuke that's actually going to hit New York. And in this case, in order to save it, right before Dennis, right before it's going to land, or right before it gets like too close to the city, Johnny gets the bright idea to just like go ahead go ahead get a head start over everyone since he is the quickest and the only one who can technically fly in this in this like giant team up and just makes makes impact for for the atomic bomb right over the city detonates explodes giant firework because johnny and he can like suck in like fire he just absorbs that whole atomic bomb that just exploded right in his face and it just sucks. It's like he does land, and there's like a few months where he's still alive, but it's just like him fade. And it, it, it just him. It's just him fading out. It's like a really messed up shot where like I can see you. you can kind of see him like just struggling with like so much atomic energy and in, like inside of mm-hmm. him. And it's just like a at the very least he has like the, his last moments are with like Sue holding him. Oh, and it sucks because yeah, he he dies. Like it just he, he it, it was obviously too much for him. And we cut to 1989, three years later after he died. And it's, it's like the whole team just um, coming back and it's like pay, paying their respects on their anniversary. Um, and in this case, I think, I think at this point, yeah, um, Sue has left um, Namor. I, I think he says, that, oh yeah, when, when all the nukes, had, all the nukes had gone up, Namor was like, well, we still got the ocean, bitch. <laughs> and she was like, I know that everybody's going to die. And he's like, yeah, I don't care about that. So and and that's and that's when they split. So so I, I just like I, I think they're not back together, but it's, just, it's still very much like 
not the same relationship that her and Reed had. And yeah, so that was pretty much like the the 80s. Next issue, Fantastic Four, Life Story, the 90s. And we get a little guy in the middle that finally shows up because Homeboy might finally come back, might finally show up. Mm-hmm. It's so, about yeah, time. Yeah, it's about time the Silver, Sur- Silver Surfer shows up. I'm excited. Like, these, like Again, it's a very dense book, but it was all, all ultimately all focused. I like thought it was really all focused around Johnny Storm. And I just realized the four with all the nukes. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, I, I like his I, I like his life stories. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I would like another one with a, a different character, but I don't know who 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 would I want to to see throughout the throughout the decades. I mean, you could always do a um, an actual cap one to see him yeah, struggle struggling. My not, first thought. Yeah, not not oh, being. No, able to an do Iron Man would be great. Or him too. Oh, for he's sure. an aging industrialist. Oh like, yeah, him getting older as technology is advancing way ahead of, or where he can't really get in the suit again. Like struggling oh. to keep up. Yes, like, yeah. actually, yeah, I would love those too. Yeah, and of course, an X Men one because then you'd have like oh. generations. The generations would actually play a play a uh, yeah. factor. Oh fuck! Yeah. Oh, an old Scott. Like Cyclops wouldn't look the same age. Dude, as yes. <laughs> you know, like, oh, keep <laughs> keep them coming. Yeah, I'd be down with that. So. All right, let me talk about my uh, solos. I only have a few. Mm-hmm. Star Wars, The High Republic, number eight. Uh, continuing the High Republic storyline. Written by Kevin Scott. Drawn by Ario Anandito. Inked by Mark Morales. Colored by Annalisa Leone. Lettered by Ariana Mayer. This is kind of like... It's weird because it's an issue eight, but this is the end of the arc, I think. So they've been fighting these parasitic plant creatures. Mm-hmm. And they've had to team up with the huts to do so. Yeah. So it's the Huts and the Jedi working together, which anyone who knows anything about Star Wars, that's messed up. <laughs> yeah. um, and in the middle of it all, um, we have um, we have Keeve Trannis, our main character, mm-hmm. who just became a Jedi and is doing her best to kind of grapple with what that means. And she's immediately thrown into this dangerous situation where she's connected to the hive mind of these creatures. And she saves Skier, you know, her, uh, yeah. her, her mentor and everything is going on. And it opens up with this awesome two page fight scene. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Just them all launching into battle and you can see the, you can see it's them and it's also the huts, you know, they're all working together and stuff and they're fighting the monsters. And in the end, uh, Keeve shows up with her new partner or with a new friend who is, not a Jedi, but is a force user. Mm-hmm. And turns out she knows Skier. There's a couple times where they're basically hint that they were romantically involved, like little bits. And she's like, I, and she's very much like, I don't want to hear about mom and dad having. <laughs> um, and so the main, uh, the main plant monster, the central, the hive mind, grabs her, and is basically like, we're gonna, oh, I'm gonna kill you. She's like, you're about one, you're right about one thing. Avar does bring us together, which is the 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 commander of the the station. Yeah, which which was your biggest mistake? Because when Jedi come together, we do incredible things, and they start chanting, "The Force surrounds us. The Force dwells in us. The Force flows through us. The Force protects us. The Force is light. The Force is strong. The Force is for the Force is light." And we got this cool two page spread uh, where all the Jedi are concentrating together to channel the Force. That's dope. And they basically seal off the central mind of this this whole. Uh, uh, hive mind and they capture it and then they're like we're, we, get, we got to capture we're going to keep it in, you know in jail and then the huts are like no we need to kill that thing and like the huts are like we're not going to accept with them being captured they're like listen it's a victim it 
doesn't know what it's doing. It shouldn't die just because of this. Yeah. That's what the Jedi would do. And the huts are like, I won't rest until we bathe in its blood. And it's great because the, uh, the commander is like, um, for Myrger to make good on her threat, she'll have to go through us. And it's oh, all these sh- Jedi Ooh. lined up. Like, oh, and it's like the, the, the leader, right? The one in the middle, the one that kind of like, yeah, runs. Yeah, that's the yeah. one talking, yeah. Sick. So, so the huts are like, fine, never mind, and leave, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was really, really cool. And then we get a preview of the next issue, which has this awesome cover for putting on like her helmet. Yeah. So I do think this is going to be a new arc. I've really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to start reading the actual novels. Right. I got distracted by another novel series, <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't bring up at the beginning. I've been reading the um, the books from uh, Leah Bardugo, the ones that Shadow and Bone, the show is based oh, on. Oh, yeah. Uh, I already read one of the Crows books, and I'm halfway through the other. Nice. And then I have the other three, and yeah. So it's been taking up a lot of my time. <laughs> my other solo book, and man, I'm so sad you didn't pick this up, because it's right up your alley. Defenders number one. That's right, yeah. So, written by, or storytellers, is what Ooh. they put, Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez. I think Javier does the art. Okay. Uh, Alvaro Lopez does the inking and Joe Caramagna with the letters. Um, so just this cover. Oh, that's where that cover comes from. Fuck. I've, I've seen that cover and I've wanted yeah. that cover. I didn't know it was for this shit. Okay. I'm going, I'm going back for it. So have you read any of the older defenders books at all? Not full runs. No. So, so the thing is, is it's usually led by Dr. Strange. Yeah. He's usually the leader. And in the best runs, it's basically when shit's going down and he pulls out his magical tarot deck and it tells him who needs to be members of the defenders. Oh, that's dope. Cause I've, I've always loved the iterations where it's just like, it's, it's him, Hulk, Namor and, Silver, and Surfer. Silver Surfer or something yep. like that. It's, it's yep. just a weird powerhouse team. Yeah. So a lot of the defenders ones are randomly determined depending on what fate decides he needs. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it opens up with this awesome panel and it just says the magician reversed, <laughs> which is him. And, you know, it's symbolic. And then the masked raider comes in, who we saw in Marvel Comics 1000, remember? Uh-huh. The mask that, that was the whole overarching story that was the mask right. getting handed down. He shows up. They have a superhero fight because they're both superheroes. And then they're like, oh, we got to work together. <laughs> and basically, um, he determines that there's there's a bad guy they have to fight. I won't get into too many details about it. Um, but they determined that they do need to gather a group to help fight him. And so he's like, do I dare? Do I do it again? And here's the thing with the, with the, the defenders with the tarot deck. The more people he adds, the greater the risk. So he has to have a calculated effort. He can't add every hero on the planet. Yeah. It's like a mystical thing. He can only add a certain amount. And so he pulls it out, and he pulls the first two cards, which is the Magician Reversed and the Hierophant Reversed, which is the two of them. Okay. Then he pulls the next card, and it's Judgment Reversed. Boom. Oh, of course. Yeah. Silver Surfer comes in. And he's like, yes, my old friend, one of the earliest defenders, Good Omen. Another card. It's the High Priestess Reversed. Do you recognize her? Because I don't know if you... I don't know if you got to that part. Oh, I mean, like, it's... Um, it's yeah. Betty. Yeah, right, right, right. With, when she yeah. goes red. Right, that's cool. What Interesting. The Red Harpy. That's what she's called now. Okay, so. yeah. And she actually was a defender originally, too. Nice. So, 
Like everybody was a defender at one point. <laughs> Nomad was the defender. Um, and then he's like, I'm going to pull one more. And it's the lovers reversed. And it ends up being um, a character I don't know if you're familiar with. Um, it's Her name is Cloud. Um, what was what was her name in in in, in Thunderbolts? The cosmic cube that became a girl. Oh right, I, I know because because I, I read Standoff, but yeah, I yeah. know I know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, she's the one they summon, and uh, so she's the last member. So she's insanely powerful, obviously. Mm, okay. Um, and the cool thing about this I really like is, I mean, you can kind of look at the art. But yeah. this is like what Doctor Strange art used to look like a lot. Oh, absolutely. Really twisted and stuff. Like, like I think, see Cloud right there? Yeah. Like, that's what it used to, it used to be really trippy art, and I love that. So, um, But basically, they have it, they have what they need, and then the journey has begun. And they're sent back in time so far that they're actually not in their universe anymore. They're in the universe before theirs which is the one that Galactus is from. That's right. Yes. Holy so shit. The sixth cosmos. And they're actually on uh, Ta, which is his home planet. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh, and shit. It opens up with this big badass monster, and they're about to fight it. Okay. God so, damn it. Okay. And now I, got, now I have to know. But it's like really trippy looking and stuff, and the art's just incredible. And like, I really, really like this. So, uh, yeah. Very, very good. Loved Into it. Years. I always thought it was weird that when Netflix did the the team up, they made it the Defenders. I'm like, just make it Heroes for Hire. It would have been much better. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Like, I it totally, really didn't. I totally hear you. Plus, that would have been a more fun vibe, you know, but whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we're going to talk about our shared Marvels. We have six books. First off, America Chavez, number five. Yes. I got this cover because I love Kate Bishop. Oh, nice. And written by Kalinda Vasquez, drawn by Carlos Gomez, colored by Jesus Bertov, and lettered by Travis Lanham. This wraps up the America Chavez story about her sister, uh, you know, putting more emphasis on her actual background and what happened with her family and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it came to a pretty satisfying end. Uh, it's not the kind of thing I want to really spoil everything because, you know, I want people to pick up the trade. Yeah. But it's really interesting. And it just kind of really leads us to really understand her character more. And also reemphasize how much family matters to her, including her adopted family. And yes. it kind of emphasizes the fact that she's moving back to New York and leaving L.A. Oh, right, right. So, which, you know, is interesting. And it, like, it does throw her kind of in the deep end with teaming up with other heroes in New York and stuff. So, including Spider-Man right at the end. <laughs> Which, which, fucking asshole! Hey, Moriqua. It's like, wait, I can I can say that right? He's, he said I could. That was okay, right? <laughs> <laughs> I fucking yeah. love that part. Because yeah. I was like, ooh, and then you did the page. You're like, oh, okay, that's that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no, because it, it was set off screen, and I'm like, oh, who said that? I was like trying to think who would have said that. And I'm like Spider Man. I'm like, oh, I hope that's Miles under there. <laughs> <I was like, laughs> so, yeah, um, but it was no, fun. It was I, a, it was a fun mini. It explores the character really well. If you have no idea what she's about, it's a really good like starter for the character. I like it a yeah. lot. It's a, it's it's definitely. I think I think it's definitely that. It's a, it's a, it's a good starter for the character. And it, again, it's it's not gonna really please everybody. My one thing is like my one reason why I've always loved America is just like how badass and completely OP she was. And we kind of got a little nerf here. 
I mean, they kind of had to do that mm-hmm. to yeah. make it like oh, I get to, to fit with the the narrative of like her now retcon. But I was just like, ah, I just I don't appreciate this yeah. nerf on her. I, I don't think she's gonna get nerfed too hard. Yeah, in the end, I think for the purposes of this story, they had to nerf her. Right, right. If she was that powerful, this wouldn't have been a threat. You know oh, I know. I mean, I mean it, it was definitely like her struggle. Like they're like kind of tapping out in and out, but then they kind of like left it as that, or her kind of like maybe relearning her powers all over again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I, I get it when they kind of do it for the sake of the story. Like they're not a hundred percent, but then now she's not. She she didn't come back to hundred percent. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of we'll see if other writers even remember that. That's true too. Yeah. <laughs> so. That leads us to another final issue: Spider-Man Spider Shadow Number Five. I can this one too. Written by Chip Zdarsky, drawn by Pascal Ferry, letter by or color by Matt Hollingsworth, letter by Joe Sabino. So this is, of course, the what if story. What if Peter never gave up the symbiote? He killed most of his villains, <laughs> and then it infected Reed Richards. And this ends. And I, I know we kind of talked about the nature of what if stories last time. Yeah. And that Marvel does, and like I'm like usually it's the ones that are either everything ends up just as it should be, anyways, or everything goes to hell and everybody dies. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is kind of the first one with a few changes, right? Um, including the fact that we lost Reed Richards. Yeah, so it's not too much of a spoiler because it hap- happens halfway through the story. So and so brutally um, too. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um. But yeah, I, I thought it was really cool. It was really well done. I love the the trick, which again, I'm not going to say anything because you should pick up the trade. <laughs> but how they how they get the symbiote was really cool, and I like the swerve at the end that one of the villains did not die. Yes, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. And then, uh, and just what happens with Peter? You know I, did, what I, mean? I did I did like that because it's part of the history as well, uh, as well. But now yeah. a little twist, a little different. I, I like that part. Yeah. So pretty cool. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm curious to see if they start doing more what ifs. Oh, I mean, I wonder, I, I wonder how well this sold. I assume, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering how well this sold, only because I did understand it, that this would be like the new way to, to do what ifs, and it's also with like the new like the new logo that they kind of went with. Like, yeah, with exactly. What if. So I'm, I'm hoping for more stuff like this, especially with the show going right now. Especially with the show going on right now. Yeah. All right, that takes us to Daredevil 33, written by Chip Zdarsky. Oh boy, <laughs> <That's our> third <laughs> Zdarsky book of the week. I don't think that's ever happened, actually. That's true. Uh, art by Marco Cicchetto, color by Marcio Meniz, and letter by Clayton Cowles. I I love everyone who's worked on Daredevil so far, but every time it's not Cicchetto, it feels off. A little off, yes. So when Cicchetto comes back, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, the first <laughs> time you see Elektra and it's, you see that hair, you're like, fuck yeah. It's like, that, it's I, I, I think Cicchetto does everything in his power as easily as he's able to pull it off to just remind you of everything like, that was gone from him. He just like every, every, he yeah. just reminds you of everything he's ever done. That's like why you love his book, his Daredevil book. Yeah. So we were left off with a cliffhanger last week where Elektra is being attacked by multiple bullseyes. Mm hmm. Uh, we found out that he was being cloned to be the perfect assassin, but it's bullseye. So you should fucking know better than that. Yeah. Uh, he comes with mental illness. <laughs> like, like so, and uh, again with daredevil, we don't dig too deep into it because we'll be talking for an hour and there's like five stories going on at once. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we, we check in with Izzy Libris and being the kingpin now and everything. And, the main things were, yeah, that fight. She has that fight with Bullseye, manages to get away, and um, and smarts off to Tony Stark, which was pretty funny. <laughs> and 
Daredevil has taken over the prison where he's where he's uh, where he is in jail <laughs> yeah. and behind bars, and he he says he will only speak with Cole North. Mm-hmm. And Cole comes in, and in very Shadowland style, Daredevil has taken over the prison, sitting on a fucking throne on a pile of shit, and is just like, you know, like let's fucking fight, bitch. <laughs> I'm like, I, I almost it. thought that, like, did I miss a chapter? Like, I my mind literally went back to Shadowland. I'm like what the fuck <laughs> yeah obviously i think it's like a a, a, a swerve mm-hmm. but oh totally yeah. oh absolutely but it was just like damn he literally just showed up in the last issue with like, at the warden and being like listen motherfucker and then cut to and now he has like a little empire of just guard of desks <laughs> yeah <laughs> um no I, I did love uh electra stunt where it's just like yo these these cats are just trying to play it quiet and mm-hmm. she gets a hold of a gun i mean instead of just like getting three headshots in she just like fires up in the air just so the heroes can show up mm-hmm. this is a total different lecture i love it yeah totally that's great yep uh loving this book obviously oh, we've so been much. around since issue one basically so much. <laughs> so, um actually that uh, curiously that book is the reason that we started podcasting that's very true is to review this book so yep. <laughs> we'll always be reviewing <laughs> so It'll be weird when he leaves the book. Holy shit, that's going to be a weird day. So weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're going to start our X-Men books. X-Men Legends, number six. Written by Peter David. Drawn by Todd Nock. Colored by Rochelle Rosenberg. And letter by Joe Caramagna. I will reiterate what I said last time. Um, I love the Simonsons. I love Chris Claremont. But this is the best of these stories for me. X-Men Legends <laughs> stories. Um I think part of it is I just remember picking this of those. I read those after mm-hmm. this, these stories I picked up week to week or month to month. Oh, I see. Okay. So I was following it and waiting, you know what I mean? So, and I always loved this, uh, group in X factor. I love havoc and he's so underused right now. Uh, he's not underused. He's in Hellions and he's great. Yeah. But I loved him being the edgier version of Scott. Basically. Right. Mm-hmm. He's not really that anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I really liked him with Polaris. Whereas I never liked Gene and Scott together. I always loved Havoc with Polaris. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was cool. So um obviously Guido's great. He's always great. Madrox is always great. Neither of them really do too much in this book. Right. In this issue. They did last issue. Um we get a lot more Wolfsbane, and she's great. I love her so much. I always love Wolfsbane again. That was another one. I I basically had a crush on Wolfsbane when I was young. So, <laughs> um, and then we get Quicksilver. Yeah, is great. Um, he basically, basically, so we're following up on the Latvian mutants who took over the embassy, and to solve the problem, Pietro just goes and gets Doom. <laughs> He's like, "Hey, your people are fucking shit up." Doom's like, "All right, I'm on it." And then I love the part where Pietro uses his super speed to travel Doom to the scene. Yep. And then Doom's like, I'm fine. And then throws him. <laughs> like, so, like, I love that. And yeah, that's basically how they solved it, which is great because that's a really good solve for that situation. <laughs> so, yeah, I love, I loved it. Um, revisiting this, this era of X Factor is really a lot of fun for me when they were like government employees, basically. And there was like secret shit going on behind their backs they didn't know about. It was just really cool. And I actually really like the arc that, or the era after this a lot too, that no one talks about, where it became kind of the Thunderbolts before the Thunderbolts. Oh, okay. Um, Mystique and Sabretooth joined the team. Ooh, okay. Yeah. And they had inhibitor collars on to keep them under control. Ah. And 
um, Wild Child was on the team then. And that's when he was all like crazy looking, like really feral. And there's a great issue with North Star and Aurora where they go to visit him. And, you know, he loves Aurora and that's a whole thing. And it was really good. And then um, later on, Shard, who is Bishop's sister from the future, uh-huh. joins the team as a hologram. It's the hologram that Bishop has of Shard, uh-huh. has sentience, and joins the team. And I think, if I remember correctly, Forge falls in love with her because, of course, he does. Because, of course, he would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, that was really cool. I, people don't like that that era, but I love that era. It's fun. So. All right. Uh, what do you think? I didn't ask you. I mean, honestly, I I hella I enjoyed it. Again, like it's not really uh, part of the X Men history that I'm ultimately familiar with. But again, like in this whole like Dawn of X era, I, I like getting this little like pieces of history from before, and I, and I like that this literally what the intent of the book is is just like kind of uh, uh, painting up all these uh, in between chapters that are kind of like mm-hmm. that were missing. So it's cool, just like getting the the, the story. And again, it's like it's and it's Peter David, so. Yeah, why why not give this one a shot? Why not read this actual part of history that instead of, instead of just someone else's take on this in between chapter? It's just like it's it becomes real canon. Yeah. Now the next X Men Legends looks to be from the nineties. Oh yeah, and it's got Wolverine, Jubilee, and Lady Deathstrike. Uh, I'm trying to think who this would even be doing this. I don't think we got an announcement yet. No, I don't, I don't think we I don't think we've gotten that far either. Um. So. 90s is like Jim Lee, maybe, but he works. He's DC's publisher. He's oh, not yeah. doing he's this. Not gonna. <laughs> oh, it's not Rob Liefeld. <laughs> we know that much. Know. So, so we'll see. Maybe it's Will's Will's Patricio. That'd be cool. Hmm. So, who created Bishop? Actually, I believe. Oh, okay. So, yep. All right. Uh, next X book, X Force number twenty-two. Uh, written by Benjamin Percy, drawn by Robert Gill, colored by Guru EFX, and lettered by Joe Carmagna. So in this one, um, we're continuing the story with the other man thing, uh, Manslaughter, <laughs> which is a great name. Um, and basically, once again, we see Beast being a fucking creep. Oof. And I'm, I'm just like, I love, I think you were the one that pointed out that he's just, there's not much separating him from being Dark Beast at this no, point. No, there isn't. <laughs> So really was he always destined to be, you know, immoral and fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, so are they going to blame it on onslaught? That would piss me off. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh my god, I, I never even considered that. Yeah, like he removed all their morals and shit. So, um, but yeah, basically, uh, a dude who's infected infects a bunch of other people and they attack Krakoa. Is what happens, and X Force fights it off, uh, finds the source of it, and stops him. It's a pretty straightforward story. It's got some real emotion to it, though. Mm-hmm. Like with the dude's wife and stuff like that. I love the bit with Blob. Blob defending the Green Lagoon, which is just excellent. <laughs> it's a bad time. <laughs> Something happens yeah. like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's really cool. And they kind of leave it off on an open-ended thing with manslaughter. If he's going to reappear or something like that. Oh, so, right. We'll but I thought this was pretty good. Um, you know, mini-arc. Two-issue two mini-arc. Oh, Totally. So. But that leads us to the book I saved for last because it is the final issue of Children of the Atom number six. Yeah. Written by Vita Ayala. Penciled by Paco Medina. Inked by Paco Medina and Walden Wong. Colored by David Curiel and letter by Travis Lanham. So when we last left off, Gimmick has an invitation 
to the Hellfire Gala and also to live in Krakoa because she's actually a mutant, mm-hmm. but the others aren't. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool. I'd like to go back and listen to our review of issue one again. And Me see, too. Because we, we think we were kind of like, are they mutants? Like, we were already kind of uh, totally. like, what's, so really it played perfectly into what we were thinking. So, so yeah, Gimmick slash Carmen is a mutant and she's getting invited there. She wears a dope ass dress. Yeah. Which is great because Jumbo didn't even make it. They make a point of that later. Actually. Oh, totally. Also, did you see Vita? Oh, I'm about to show you them. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> that's Vita and their partner, by the way. Um, so, and for once, we 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 come back to the gala, and hey, look at that! And Nightcrawler isn't shit faced. <laughs> <laughs> Trashed yet? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then we find out, you know, more about her powers. She's going to be more of a shape shifting thing, which leads to a little bit with Mystique. Yeah, like that us, part teasing us a little bit. Um, also, on uh, first at the gala, even though it's already over. Colossus finally says something at the gala. <laughs> yeah, right. Literally the uh, hottest one at the party, and he never had his own moment. <laughs> yeah, uh, Carmen runs into iBoy in his ridiculous costume that I love. <laughs> I love it so much, too. Uh, she hangs out with Magic. Like, she meets Dazzler. Basically, she gets to fangirl it up. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to figure out what she's going to do. There's a really important moment that I thought was really great where she's coming out to her parents and her parents are like, honey, we know you're gay. She's like, no, not that. <laughs> <It's> not that. <laughs> she reveals she's a mutant and then her stepfather does the right thing. Is like, I don't give a shit. Like, like basically, I love you no matter what. So I was like, oh, thank you, Vita, for not making this a fucking cliche. Yeah. Of being like, get out of my house, you know. Seriously. So, and then it cuts back, and we got the kids, and they're fighting horticulture God who keeps showing it. up. <laughs> These old bags. <laughs> I love it. It's just like, it's almost like they're old villains, you know, like they've been yeah. around forever, but they're not. They're <laughs> they've made like not. six appearances in two years. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, Gimmick show, or Carmen shows up and helps them. And that leads to them kind of talking about what they're going to do. Buddy tells her that she likes her in a way that's not just friendly. Mm-hmm. And it's cute. And they end up being together and they're kissing and everything's great. And it sounds like she's going to kind of split her time between Krakoa and home. I think so. I, that's the way I got it too. Which is cool. She's like, a really cool character. I'm excited to see if you know she's going to start getting involved. Isn't Vita still writing New Mutants? Uh, oh yeah, I mean there's been no nothing on her leaving, and absolutely, we definitely need we have we have a new a new mutant that is obviously here just so she can learn how to use her mutant powers, so she can go back home and be with her family and not being like I don't know what the fuck is happening, <laughs> so and be in emergency emergency cases because yeah, like everybody in Krakoa either comes from a place where like they have no place back to go back to, or it was just like you know what this is actually my my better choice. There's actually one of the few people, one of the few characters where they do have that choice. So it's, so it's kind of cool that, that she can uh, split her time, especially like every other book they emphasize her like, oh, and don't don't worry. The gay just makes her seconds away from being at home. So it's kind of like, yeah, why wouldn't she? Hmm. Yep. Um, I mean, I really enjoyed this mini. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I know it drew a lot of criticism from the kind of people you'd expect to draw criticism uh, from. Yeah. But those people don't fucking matter. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, could you just imagine just be like... For Storm to be like, yo, I got this invitation for you, and I'd kind of want you to be my plus one. What the fuck? Yes. <laughs> it's yeah, like, right. oh, God. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, I, get, I mean, I get I'll check my schedule. I'll, I'll have my contact your people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's our books for the week, guys. Um, 
You got anything else to close off with those way? Um, I did pick up this trade uh, for kids walking to a bank. Something I've been super excited to yes, read. Fuck it's... Yes, I'm so excited for you to read it. Did you read it? Oh, I've read it. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, because uh... I don't own it though. I wish I did. Okay, I think it just came back into a, a printing or into an actual trade. Because mm-hmm. again, I um, also been hearing it from a friend of the show, Mars at that comic girl. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, this is actually one of her favorite books of all time. So it's kind of like just like oh shit, I'm excited to read the hype. I also, um, again, we mentioned today on day of release, it's free comic book day. I will be going uh, and meeting a couple different uh, creators. Yes. Uh, so I'm very excited. I'm going to get my copy of, uh, I want to make sure I say it right because it's in Spanish, La Mano del Destino. Yes. Yes. I'm going to get that one signed. And then, um, oh God, now I forgot the other one because I was thinking too hard. <laughs> There we go. Heart in a Box, which, by the way, you should read. It's really good. Um, it's written by Kelly Thompson and drawn by Meredith McLaren. And Meredith is going to be at uh, Samurai, so I'm going to get it drawn. It's really cool. And just to give you guys a quick plug, it's a story about a girl who goes through a bad breakup and declares out loud she doesn't want to have her heart anymore. And a guy shows up and says, I'll take it. And he takes her heart. Huh. And then she realizes how horrible it is not to have a heart, so she wants it back. And he's like, sorry, I already sold it. Uh-huh. Okay. And so it's in six pieces across the country, and she's got to go hunt them down. Okay, that's actually really cool. And it gets emotional because, like, it's, it's about people heart. who took it, and it's in them now. And she has to take it from them. And they valued it now or to some point. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, so either she has to rip it out of them, or they have to willingly give it up. Oh, okay. Oh. Fuck, okay, that's actually really fucking good. And every time she has gets a heart back, she gets some of her like emotions back, and you get this really cool like page like that. What the fuck? So imagine that, but written by Kelly Thompson. And what's his book called again? Heart in a Box. Heart in a Box. Yeah, I'm not looking out for this. It's from Dark Horse. Yeah, I'm going to look out for this. It's really dope. So, And the art's just cool. Like You can kind of see the art. Oh, okay, I get it, yeah. Yeah, so it's really, yeah, I love it, so... Yep, check check that out. I cannot wait to be Meredith on Saturday. I have to actually go out of town this weekend, and the only reason I'm staying in town is because I want to get this signed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. But thanks so much for joining us on We Have Issues. As always, you can check us out on Twitter. The show is at WHI Podcast. I am at WHI Podcast Keith. Our producer, Liz, is at WHI Podcast Liz. Josue is at Josue Reads Josue. You can try, check all of our stuff at Geek Elite Media, as well as GeekEliteMedia.com. Check out our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, where we're constantly building a musical playlist every week with a different theme. Uh, the next episode to come out is going to be 90s hip-hop and oh, will yeah. feature, hopefully, the return of a, legend. of a long-lost friend. Yes. So I don't want to jinx it. We're not going to say his name. But long-time viewers will definitely be excited. So, And, and let's just say 90s hip-hop is the perfect category for him to come back on. So oh, yes. Um, but you can check that out at Jukebox Vertigo as well on Twitter. And thank you so much for joining us. We truly appreciate it. Check out all the shows on Geek Elite Media. Uh, we do a bunch of really great stuff, including Love of Pages. We got Televised Heroics. We got uh, United States of Women. We have all kinds of different things. It, basically something for every taste. So you can try and find all those at geekelitemedia.com as well as, again, on Twitter at Geek Elite Media and everywhere you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Thank you so much for joining us. We always appreciate seeing you guys every week. And do not forget to geek out. This concludes our broadcast.